Fabulous start to a hump day Wednesday, and by that I mean not only was it kind of an easy drive in, for whatever reason, I don't know if everybody just overslept, but uh, it's already a good looking start to the day, and it's the month of May. NBA playoffs are pretty exciting to watch. You got the Colts, now that the draft's complete, you're starting to get a better idea of what the roster is going to look like. And uh, yesterday, Kevin, I took the last math exam I will take in my life. So, you want I'm, to do I, trigonometry? I want to take your shirt off for that. <laughs> it's allowed. Let me tell you, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going to pat myself on the back of that because 150 percent that sucked. You but did it. I'm done with it. You did it. And I, you know what? Huge, huge, huge thanks to my tutor who doesn't want me to say her name because um, she's retired, and several people had asked if they could still use her and oh, i thought she didn't want to be affiliated with you she, at first that I was too like, wow geez. that too 100 but you don't mention um, my name we've never met but we had a great time a couple of times every week at the glendale library and thank you to the glendale library for consistently great library putting up with yeah the little rooms they set aside for us so um it's over thank god it's over congrats <laughs> thank uh you. one week from today you will be doing i would do you walk I, I just stood up at graduation. I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. And and the other thing I'm worried about is, you know, I talked to Motman last night, and he is in for the mini. So we're doing that on Saturday, and I'm and I'm, it's going to be rough. I mean, I'm not. The school thing has really kind of set back my quote unquote training. I'm sure you can tell by looking at me. So I'm probably going to be a little sore. So if I have to walk across the stage on Wednesday, yeah. that's going to be a little rough. Well, like I said yesterday, you would not be the first person to attend the hip hugger and need a wheelchair to get to your next destination. So that's the good uh, news on that front for, uh, is it Howard County? Is that up there? Um, it is Howard County. It is Howard County. Up in Howard County. As Jake said, it is a really nice start to this Wednesday. And really, the rest of the week looks pretty good. Talk about the mini. Um, weather cooperating and I actually looked down at uh, Louisville the forecast I think looks decent maybe a little bit for the Oaks could be raining on Friday but the Derby looks pretty good so a good Wednesday morning to you we will focus again a lot today on the Colts draft Stephen Holder usually have him at eight he's going to be at nine o'clock today and then Matt Miller ESPN draft analyst who you saw on set on their various broadcasts, you've heard him on the show. He will recap the Colts draft with us to close out the show. And at 8 o'clock, Jake, will have Jason West on the head coach of Franklin Central right now. Coached at Warren for eight years. Uh, the head coach to Juju Brents in high school. Yeah, I was thinking about this a little bit on the drive-in. We've almost come numb to it in the NBA draft of like, oh yeah, when's the Indiana kid getting drafted? And by Indiana kid, I mean the state of Indiana. You know, when's the Indianapolis kid going to get drafted? Will he be a lottery pick this year? Will he go in the 20s? You know, we're just so used to local talent going high in the NBA draft. Juju Brents went 35 overall. That's really high for an Indianapolis native. Yeah. Especially as of late. Like, when you, I was trying to jog my brain. Like, we brought up the name Zach Martin. Uh, he went in the top, whatever, 15 it was, but that was almost a decade ago. And Greg Gregshaw would probably be the perfect person to ask for this, but I can't recall here lately, like the last decade plus, I can't recall too many like Indianapolis natives going in the first 40-something. Totally picks. agree. I I think I told you there's only one NFL Hall of Famer that was born in Indianapolis, and he moved instantly, Chris Dolman. 
Um, Zach Martin will eventually get there. But Zach yeah. Martin is clearly the best career of a player from Indianapolis, Indianapolis high school. He's had the best career, right? I mean, he's a Hall of Fame level yeah. player. Um, and you have others that had good careers, but it is surprising a little bit. I, I think there are a lot of auxiliary players that come out of Indianapolis, but not many like stars. It's like Fort getting, Wayne is kind of the Indiana. Yeah, area. getting drafted in the in the first couple of rounds is really significant. Yeah. So again, we'll talk with Jason West coming up at eight o'clock. Last night in the NBA, the Knicks even up that series one one. A really balanced night for the Knicks there. Again, no Jimmy Butler in that one, so he will get a lot of rest time until Saturday. That that series is going to take quite a few days off. The other two series will try and kind of catch up with the uh, Knicks and the Heat and then the Suns and the Nuggets. And then the nightcap, the Lakers get it done. Anthony Davis was pretty darn special. Uh, 30 points, 23 rebounds, 5 assists, and 4 blocks. Lakers get game one on the road. Listen, the combo of Anthony Davis and, to me, the key for the Lakers, Kevin, was going to be, and I'm not saying that this has come full throttle. I I mean, this may swing the other way and they might have an issue, but the key for the Lakers to me and this postseason was going to be if they were able to transition from it being LeBron's team into being Anthony Davis. And I do think that, I think I told this story before, I was talking to somebody who went to high school with LeBron James, matter of fact, I know I've told it before, but for those that haven't heard it, I was talking to somebody that went to high school with LeBron James, that said that during LeBron James' high school career, he often, he lived basically with different teammates from St. Vincent, St. Mary. So different kids, different families within that, you know, he lived one semester with John, the point guard, and then the next semester he lived with Mark, the swing forward, and whatever else. And for like all four years of his high school career. And that led him, when he would go out on the floor, he would try to incorporate those guys in games and get them involved in whatever else. And I think that that's the genesis of him being a very unselfish player. So he does have it within him, LeBron James, to defer to teammates. And in the case of Anthony Davis, it is clearly now Anthony Davis that should be the centerpiece of the Lakers. And I do think that LeBron understands that and has deferred to that, and that's part of why L.A. is coming together. When he needs to, as we saw the other night, he can still be the guy. I'm talking about LeBron. But if they if they do it this way where they keep feeding Anthony Davis and he's getting 30 and 20 and then LeBron's complimenting that with 20 and 8 or 10 assists, they're going to be pretty tough. D'Angelo Russell, uh, Dennis Schroeder as well, uh, important for them last night. You know, I, I get that there's fatigue and I'm probably in the minority in this market thinking this, Jake. But I am very happy that we get to watch LeBron versus Steph again. Absolutely. The guy's a great, both of them. And how many more times are we going to get Top-level talent, you know, it, no doubt. It had this feel to me a bit kind of late in the Manning-Brady era. How many more times are we going to get that? Um, I think LeBron and Steph are going to play quite a few more years. They show very little to no signs of slowing down at their respective ages, which is absolutely remarkable. But sign me up for what this series is going to be all about. And the Lakers stealing game one, I think, puts obviously tons of pressure on Golden State coming up Thursday night in game two to try and even up that series before it goes on the road. 
I don't know how much you guys watched the Knicks Heat last night. The atmosphere at Madison Square Garden is awesome. That's it great. is awesome. I and, mean, and Kevin, it's, it's great. It's the best. And to me, it's not like the arena speaks for itself. But there's just this feeling with Knicks fans, and probably it's two decades long of pent-up frustration. But, I mean, last night they've got Carmelo Anthony and Marcus Camby in the building going nuts. Like, I don't Mari recall... Mari was there, too. Yeah, like, I don't recall many Pacer playoff games where you had, you know, Reggie Miller going nuts front row, right. or, you know, Rick Smith, and I know Smith goes to games, but I don't know. There's just, like, a little bit of a college feel to watching the Knicks play their games. And, again, I know in this market, probably no one wants to you know say that and Knicks Heat you probably want both of them to lose but I had a lot of fun watching the Knicks last night you've been to New York right uh, get back in that game and get back in that series uh, yes I have have you been to I know you I think you said you haven't been in but like have you taken like the train and gone through the garden uh no I've not I, I mean there's just a when you talk about the atmosphere and I know you said the arena speaks for itself but like there's something about you know the garden is funny because you know, you think to yourself, like, Madison Square Garden, like, Joe Lewis and, you know, Wes Unseld and, you know, all the great moments. Well, there's been, like, seven Madison Square Gardens. I mean, it's not like this is the same arena that Joe Lewis fought in. Matter of fact, it's even changed locations a few times. But all of that to be said, when you take the train into underneath, you know, the Madison Square Garden stop and just the bustle of it, it is a very nostalgic feeling. Like, you feel like you're in, like, back just in, like, the old era of, you know, read all about it, front page mm-hmm. news. Sure. I mean, there's just something magical about it. Even if And, and listen, I, I was living in New York during the Pacers-Knicks, the heat of the rivalry when I was an intern out, living out there, wearing a Pacers shirt every day. I hated the Knicks, hated them. But there was no denying, Kevin, that that like the garden had a magic about it. And like to me, this current iteration of them, it's I, I would say a decently likable bunch. I mean, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, I enjoyed watching yeah. those guys. Jalen Brunson was really good last night. Mm-hmm. He was, and Hart did a little bit of everything for them. So again, that was kind of must win for the Knicks last night. As now, I said, the other two series will play catch up. We'll see about the Celtics tonight. Again, you would think Philly sits Joel Embiid. For game two, he already got game one. No need to try and rush him back, I would think. Uh, but it sounds like there is a chance he does play. Uh, but game three in this series uh, won't be for a couple of other day or a couple more days. So a Philly and Boston tonight, once again, just like game one, Boston is a double digit favorite with the expectation Embiid uh, does not play. And Joel Embiid, your NBA MVP, which no big surprise there, right? Yeah, that was a pretty cool um, video I saw the 76ers posted of Embiid's reaction to finding out kind of in a ballroom in Boston with his teammates. It is wild, Jake, and it is probably a credit to the Dream Team. In Embiid's case, probably a credit to Hakeem Olajuwon. But that is five straight years with an international MVP. Is it really? Five straight. Uh, Giannis won two in a row. Jokic won two in a row. And if you look at the two on the ballot right after Joel Embiid, those two. Uh, Can you name the last American to win the MVP? My first guess, I I mean, I'm going to go just on the law of average. Well, you know what? Curveball here. I'll go James Harden. James Harden, five years ago. I cannot believe... But that, no, that, that was if you would have bet money on that. That was a, that was a know, solid I, hit by you. Mark, listen, 
and I appreciate you waiting until 12 after to wake up here. I, I'm money in general. Right? Don't don't ruin it. <laughs> Literally, Mark tries to be nice here, friendly. Jake just to Kimby Matumbo's Mark's compliment there. You've got to go I'll, back to. I'll play the clip you hate. I'll do it. <laughs> I know you will. You've got to go back to 2013 for the last time LeBron won an MVP. Well, the, the amazing thing about that is that LeBron is still playing at a high level ten years after being a most valuable player. I mean, how many guys do that, right? I mean, he is still playing at a very high level. It's amazing. Two things. Number one, to your point, well, I mean, good point because it feels like it has not been that long, right? It feels like like when you said the last American, I'm thinking, well, it's got to be LeBron or Steph. Oh, wait a minute. You know, Harden. And then Westbrook before that. Boy, Westbrook actually kind of got like a little bit of jolt of life at the end of the year where he found some – he started to show a little bit. But – I mean, LeBron is still playing at a level that is unbelievable for his age and the number of games he's played. Yeah, Alex says this. As a Pacers fan, my hatred for the Heat has made me root for the Knicks, and I don't like it. I have a whole closet of Knicks gear I can wear. You can, we can have a Knicks PBR party. I guess a lot of it probably depends on what age group you fall into. Like, if you are a little yeah. bit more in the 30-year-old age group, the venom for the Heat is probably higher. If you're in a little bit more of, like, the 45 and north age group, it, it is probably... now. The next. Now you just retweeted this. Uh huh. Did you retweet it out of sarcasm? Our own station webpage, Twitter page, right? For the station we work for, 1075 The Fan, just tweeted out the, the video of the two of us from the YouTube page, which is wonderful. And it says, be sure to listen right now to the ride with JMV. No, we've got yeah, a, we've got a we're title a issue that, on that. Keeps, it keeps changing. That's the to, second time this week I've seen that. We have to wait till we what? start airing, and then I have what? to remember to what go back we, and change. What are we doing we're, here? We're giving JMV clicks, but it is our faces. What, what, what are we doing? It's so changed now. You know, it it is changed. Yeah. Okay. But it's one of those things where I have to remember to do it. I get a little sidetracked when we start because usually I don't know where you're going to go. So I get this. I'm like, oh yeah, I got to change the title because I can't just do it automatically these days. There we go. Yeah. I just press refresh. It looks beautiful. Yeah. Right. See? <laughs> Much better. Uh, Jason West to talk Juju Brents. Thank you, Cody, for that. I, I keep on thinking Juju Brents was taking 35 overall. I uh, forgot Chris Bauer traded back a couple times. 44 overall was where he ended up going in the draft. So we will chat with his high school coach about that. Skin Steven Holder at 9 and Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst. Isn't that a bar? At 945. Uh, yeah, like a restaurant up in Carmel. Yeah, is Matt the Miller, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, in his plural, right? Millers. Yeah, so that would mean that Matt was a Miller, and then he owns the joint, so it's Matt the Miller's place, right? Yeah, I don't know if there's a place on it, but yeah, I actually have gone there with with my parents. It's a nice spot. Is that a local joint, you think? Or is Matt a friend? Is it like franchise? I think it's local. I could be wrong. But yeah, as long as you can make it through the roundabouts and the statues, you can you can uh, get there. <laughs> Actually, right by the Palladium. Um, it is right by the Palladium, isn't it? it mm-hmm. I, I get very confused. Am I the only one that this happens to? Am I the only one that when I'm driving in in particular Hamilton County, Geist? This happens a lot too in the Geist area, and I have a very keen sense of direction. I'm I'm wonderful with directions, mm. but. I'm very good. I mean, Rand McNally is like my middle name. But 
I will admit to the fact that there have been times. Humble with a map. In Hamilton County. I am that too. There have been times in Hamilton County and at Geist, which is, I guess, not Hamilton County, but where I've been driving and I'll take a roundabout or some road and then I'm driving for like 30 minutes and realize, hang on just a second, I'm halfway to Rhode Island. I thought I was going south and this says I'm going northeast. Have you ever done that? Where you're looking, or you're driving, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wait a minute!" Like you think you're going like way east, and then all of a sudden you're like, "How? How am I crossing 161st Street? What just happened?" Yeah, I mean, I grew up kind of in that area, so that probably helps. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've told the story once before when I was a very early driver. Um, I had some friends that lived in Geist and took a wrong turn on Pendleton Pike. And, you know, when I started driving, you know, what, I was 16 in 2005, I guess. So at that point, it was still a little bit early, and they just whip out your phone and boom, maps galore. Uh, all of a sudden, next thing I know, I'm in front of the penitentiary in Pendleton. <laughs> it's probably, like 1 a.m. There probably been other people that were driving late at night, and the next thing they knew, they were at the penitentiary in Pendleton, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, probably behind the wheel. Um, uh, and it was 1 a.m. like on a Saturday. I'm like, okay, I need to find a gas station, and I, I'll never forget... The look on the gas station attendant when I was like, uh, I'm really lost. Can you just show me a map? And he's like, dude, you you have pimples and no facial hair. Like, you need to be home. You know the Andre Risen story. Andre Risen, the uh, wide receiver, who, of course, many people probably forget, played his first year yeah. with the Colts. So Andre Risen, when he was drafted by the Colts, this was back at, when 96th and 69 would have been basically as far north as 69 went, or Benford, and... You know, you didn't have, I mean, at that time, gosh, Deer Creek would have been just being built, I think. But Andre Risen supposedly walked into one of the gas stations at 96 and 69 and was like, does anybody here know where Anderson is? And they're like, excuse me? He's like, where's Anderson? And he'd driven from East Lansing, Michigan. And they're like, oh, we got to turn around and go back the other way. And he was like, well, I got to be at camp in like five minutes. It was report day. I think my totally parents lost. still print out map quests. Oh, my, my dad is big on the trip tick from triple, oh, triple sure. And by the way, there's a lot of advantages to being a AAA member, including not only um, the trip tick, but also, don't forget, my pit crew, where you can order tires online and they come and do it right there at your own house. We were but, big trip tickers yeah. back in the day. Oh, man. I used MapQuest one time to go to like a comedy show in Chicago when I was like in high school. and went in and sent me down a one-way street the wrong direction. Oh, boy. That was oh, fun. Oh, boy. I, yeah. Now, I just use... Here's the thing. I, I say MapQuest... For this, in the same vein that I would say, like Q-tip, right, or like mm-hmm. Jello, whatever. I just had this conversation with Sean Copeland this morning. Things that are so, like, I'll say, yeah, I put it in MapQuest. I, I mean, I'm usually, I mean, I'm amusing the Apple app mm-hmm. or the you know ways or whatever i just use that to, and people are like map quest <laughs> i mean uh, you know did you die of dysentery uh, okay i mean i'm not no, literally to, on the organ I had to turn in directions and everything i'm looking like okay left here i'm like whoa there's traffic coming this way <laughs> yeah one hand fumbling papers they're now at your feet you're yeah. in you know full scramble mode on that end uh today we can get into some drafts uh winners and losers for the colts i think every time certainly when you have 12 picks uh, there are some guys in the roster that feel really good about it and don't. <laughs> it was funny talking to Joe Wrights on Friday about that, of like, oh yeah, when you are on the roster, you're paying attention to the draft, especially if you are a non-top oh, yeah. like top eight, top ten guy, so we can get into some of that. I enjoyed that conversation yesterday, not only with Pat Fitzgerald, his energy was terrific, but I thought Will Hewlett, Anthony Richardson's quarterback's coach, Jake... I- 
you know, when I said to Mark, you know, I feel like he could be a decent guy to have on. You're nervous when you have those guys on. That because, he's going to be like an agent? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, gosh, we're going to get 20 minutes of positive PR. I don't think we got that. No, he was pretty candid. He I was thought cool we got too. some honesty in it. And basically, in summary, although I encourage you to listen to the podcast if you missed it, this is a guy that just has got to get used to throwing the ball at different speeds. It, it just it can't be full kind of 98-mile-per-hour fastball. And I thought he... In a nice balance of detail, but not like quarterback nerd to the nth degree, um, I thought he gave a pretty good summary of what Anthony Richardson needs to work on. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and the thing that I, uh, the thing about Anthony Richardson that I'm most encouraged is that, and I know that everybody says this, I get it, but you can kind of tell and sniff it out. I do think that he is genuinely a really humble and eager player that is willing to work. Matherin. Yeah. I, I, mean, I get so much Matherin vibes from him. Um, I know that's probably – you guys will probably get tired of me saying that, but I I definitely get that. Uh, rookies come in town tomorrow. We might have a rookie on the show Friday. Is it Jake Witt? Uh, because, it, boy, it is not Jake well, Witt. Well, no. here's the thing. And the listeners, you know, they want to hear from Colts players, I realize, but they know they get – Jake Witt every morning on this program, right? I mean, isn't that... In my out? opinion, that's No, I don't sucked. think so. I don't think right. that that's the case Done at all. Done a study, and that's quickly when people go to Bob and Tom, I think, <laughs> okay. when, that, when that arises. Well, who was the caller that said that we're as good as Bob and Tom, just without the comedians? I know, and I was like, isn't that what we have Jake for? <laughs> <laughs> what what value am I bringing to this program? Uh, I will say, potentially a, a, a somewhat prominent rookie, so hopefully that will uh, come to fruition Friday morning. Again, rookie minicamp the Colts coming up this weekend and then as the month of May continues to move along they will get on the fields veterans rookies and we'll continue to monitor Anthony Richardson the Gardner Minshew thing those two working out together so there is a relationship there already again a pretty nice start to this Wednesday here in Indianapolis I think today in the 60s but the rest of the weekend going to be up into the uh into the 70s heck yeah let's go let's go man May's here. Let's do it. Now, in the in the way, way past, did they used to like be on the track this early in oh, the month yeah. of May? May 1st. So you were like oval practice already? Yeah. Boy. I mean, I remember working when I worked at O'Malia's, and you know, you had Kurt from Arkansas. Kurt McCracken worked sure. with us. He yeah. went to Heritage. Ty Garrick went to Lawrence Central. Oh, I know Ty. Larry Shotwell went to Arlington. Myself... Steve Beaver from Arlington. I mean, we had kids. That's what was great about it. We had kids from all these different schools, right? New bingo card here, and, Mark. <laughs> and but New Year's day, Eve at the retirement home. The, the real fun each day when you went to work at like four in the afternoon was to find out who had gone to the track that day, who, who didn't have school or who maybe left school, but who had been to the track that day. And literally every day, somebody had been, right? Sean Wheeler, like, oh, yeah, yeah. we went out. And so it's, I mean, it was great, man. I just need a Farkas reference, and I got bingo before that was waiting. 730. <laughs> Byron was changing tires on. Byron just know. texted me to tell oh, me that. Oh, uh-huh. that's another uh-huh. one. Uh-huh. Matt Lion Dyke's car, Byron was changing <laughs> tires. Uh-huh. Matt the Millers is a chain out of Ohio. Byron is the one that knew that. that of course no shock there uh, colleen and brad bowen big fans of the, big uh, fans byron? of map quest i didn't know they know and him. matt the millers and i think they would be a fans of uh, <laughs> mike byron again i enjoyed talking to him. are we doing another big old party for you for 51 no dick buckus 
We can if you want. I mean, we can. We can Pat Ingerer birthday. <laughs> That's right. It's less significant than the 50. There's no doubt. Uh, he's Jake Quare. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton, as always. Again, a pretty nice start to this Wednesday here in Indy. Jason West, the head coach of Franklin Central uh, for this show today, probably more prominent that he was uh, Juju Brents' high school coach at Warren Central. He's going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Stephen Holder at 9 and... Matt Miller from ESPN, ESPN Draft Analyst to round out the show. You're listening right here on 93.5-1075, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, the Lakers, they go on the road last night. They get game one from the Golden State Warriors. Anthony Davis, pretty special. 30 points, 23 rebounds, Five assists and four blocks. The guy had one turnover in 43 minutes of basketball. 117-112 defensively. Lakers um, pretty big as well late, uh, particularly on Steph Curry. Uh, and they go up 1-0. Game two will be Thursday. And Jake, and the other one last night, the Knicks even it up at 1-1. 111-105, they defeated the Miami Heat, who were without Jimmy Butler. Actually, for the Heat... It looked like they were going to do heat things, and that is have role players step up. At one point in the game, Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, and Max Struess were their three leading scorers, all three of them undrafted free agents into the NBA, which says a lot about uh, the way the Heat are constructed. But Jalen Brunson had 30, Julius Randle 25. Knicks went at 111-105, as you mentioned. Did you see, um, I think ESPN had the stat. It was the most points scored by undrafted free agents ever in an NBA playoff Really. I think it was like 68, 70-something or other. Yeah, it was quite impressive to watch the Heat try and stay in that one. Uh, game three for that series will be on Saturday. Tonight, it's going to be Celtics and 76ers. The status of Joel Embiid. Right now in Vegas, they act like he's not going to play. A 10.5-point favorite for Boston as they try to even up the series at home. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday. Reds doubling up the Padres 2-1. It was the Nationals 4-1 over the Cubs. Where are you going to go? Are you going to abandon this team? Are you going to quit rooting nope, for the Cubs? Nope, I'm riding or dying. Okay. A little extra inning victory for the Red Legs. That's right. Uh, ten innings, as a matter of fact. Angels over the Cardinals, 5-1. But let me tell you something. Uh, that was the smartest defeat by four runs in the history of Major League Baseball. White Sox over the Twins, 3-2. Yankees over the Cleveland Guardians by a score of 4-2. Indians and Toledo Mudhens. You know, the, the Mudhens, it's only appropriate that you would think they love the rain, right? But they keep getting postponed due to rain. It's because the storm chasers are nearby. <laughs> they must be next on the schedule, yeah. right? The Indians don't play at right home until them. May 16th, so quite a few on the road. Uh, Victory Field, I think I mean, some high school, college games coming up in between now and then. Uh, yesterday, we mentioned this to lead off the show, Joel Embiid is the winner of the M- NBA's MVP award. He is the fifth it's a fifth straight year. An international player has won the award. It is Embiid's first. He was the runner-up each of the last two years. So uh, Cameroon takes home an NBA MVP with Joel Embiid. And then uh, Colts rookie minicamp. Uh, players uh, will report to Indianapolis tomorrow, and then they'll get on the field uh, this weekend for a rookie minicamp. We'll chat about that a little bit more throughout the show. On the other side, we'll get back into the Colts draft. Some winners and losers from this past weekend on the Colts roster. 12 draftees. Uh, who was impacted the most from that? We'll talk about that on the other side. Kevin and Quay right here on a really nice start to this Wednesday in Indianapolis. All right, good Wednesday morning to you. 
Pretty nice start here in Indianapolis, and it looks like the rest of the week is going to be good on the weather front. Jake, I think it's kind of an annual thing I like to do after each draft of, okay, look at the roster. Who would you label a winner? Who would you label a loser on you know any team? But for the Colts, 12 draft picks, the most the franchise has made in over 30 years. So obviously, from a quantity standpoint, there's just a lot of guys that are about to be in that building on that roster and it, you know impacts depth chart etc cetera, etc cetera. cornerback would probably be the one that received the most attention uh go either way on that one winner or loser who benefited the most or in that case probably who dodged things in the draft or who would you label on the flip side of oh man uh my role for 2023 looks a whole lot different the first name that comes to mind clearly now, the easy answer here would be Shaquille Leonard, but the reality is that his job's not in any sort of jeopardy. Then you go to EJ Speed, because if they had drafted a linebacker, then that shows you, like, okay, they are not only not comfortable with Shaquille Leonard's health, but they may not be comfortable with the depth of that position. And EJ Speed was is the next guy that's kind of been elevated or is waiting in queue if Shaquille Leonard can't play. The fact that they did not draft a linebacker shows me that they must be pretty happy with that room, and that's a tip of the cap to not only the optimism about Leonard's health, but also about Speed's ability to play different roles for them. So that would be the first one that jumps to mind in that area. Um, You know, frankly, another guy that I think should be happy, and I know that we're talking about when you start talking about fifth and sixth round picks, you're getting into, you know, how legitimate are we looking here at the, um, it's not like in the fifth round, fourth round, they're taking a guy because they're expecting him to start right away. But one, and Kevin, feel free to disagree with me here, but one guy that I think probably should be a little bit pleased is Jonathan Taylor because there's no doubt that Jonathan Taylor's a, a, a key, key, key part of their offense. But I think as a running back, and in particular a running back has been in the league a few years, it is nice to have somebody that can spell you and give different looks to the backfield and so that you're, you are not overly relied upon. And Evan Hole might be that guy. I mean, maybe that gives them a wrinkle that takes a little bit of the heat off Taylor, and I don't think it's a bad thing because certainly we know what Jonathan Taylor can do. That's interesting you mentioned Taylor. I had Taylor down as a winner, but for a different reason. Um, I pointed Taylor as a guy that had to love seeing what happened in the draft because, Jake, whenever the Colts hand the keys to Anthony Richardson, they have a quarterback-running back duo that will be one of the most dynamic duos in the NFL right away from a running standpoint. You know, when's the last time the Colts have entered a football game and said, all right, we've got a quarterback that we want to have five to seven design runs with during a game? I mean, it's been years. I mean, sure, Carson Wentz can make a play with his legs. Andrew Luck can make a play with his legs. But nothing in the designed format. And the fact that with the running quarterback, can you imagine like if you were a defensive end last year and you watched Matt Ryan hand the ball off versus Anthony Richardson hand the ball off? Right. <laughs> and like your responsibilities of, man, I should probably wait to see that he really hands the ball off before I commit to Jonathan Taylor on that play. So, you know, from a sheer production standpoint, 
Taylor's yards and carries might go down a little bit with Richardson, but you talk about a yards per carry standpoint, you talk about a little bit more of a big playability, the fact that you have a legit and dynamic run threat at quarterback should open up things more so for Taylor. Yes, you're going to have teams load the box because they're going to say, all right, Anthony Richardson, prove to us you can throw. We know full well that that is going to be there, but... When you just talk about the dual threat, you know, zone read, read option nature to how the NFL has evolved a little bit, I don't think it's hyperbole at all to think whenever Richardson does start, him and Taylor give you one of the best running combinations in the entire NFL, quarterback and running back wise. Um, I also thought this a little bit, and it's something I want to ask Stephen Holder coming up at nine. You know, we'll see here in the next few weeks if the Colts decide to use their cap space. They have a good amount of cap space still. Um, but I'm interested to see what route they go down with that cap space. One, they could spend it at, like, right guard. I think Will Fries, Jake, was a huge winner of the draft. Will Fries just watched I was just thinking the same thing. 12 draft yeah. picks, and none of them were at right guard. So I would slot him as a winner. The Colts could go out, they could spend in free agency, they could find more of a veteran guard, he could come in and start, that would move Will Fries to the bench, or they could look at their cap space and say, you know what, this year, we've already kind of said it's about the future, we don't need to play plug a veteran in here just to do it, let's play the young guys and let's use that cap space on extending Jonathan Taylor and or extending Michael Pittman and kind of front load those contracts with the cap space that you have. Really interested to see if that's the plan of attack the Colts have here moving forward. I'm a little bit curious about Blake Freeland, the tackle out of BYU, because does that mean that they are round four is pretty high to go for a guy and again like I just said earlier I you know I don't think you're rounds four five six is not like you're looking at immediate starter so I'm not saying that but round four would not be a flyer right you're not just saying like hey let's just are they looking at Blake Freeland who and this is interesting in reading his bio Kevin you know played basketball in high school his mother was an all-American basketball player. His sister's a track and field athlete. He was like an all-conference basketball player in high school. That, you know, you see that a lot out of left tackles in particular just cuz the footwork, you know, the tight we've talked about the tight ends that played basketball. But did they draft a guy like Freeland because they just, you know, they want depth behind Bernard Ryman or are they still not totally convinced Ryman's the long-term guy and they want to give themselves another option? Yeah, I think if we would have done an exercise, Jake, last week on like, all right, who are the most indispensable Colts entering the draft? Like, who are the guys that this team cannot afford to lose? Rigoberto Sanchez. (laughs) I would have put – I don't know how many names I would have mentioned, Jake, before I put Braden Smith on that list. Yeah. And you know what? Bernard Ryman wouldn't have been – too far behind him just because it's it's more of a who else do you have like you had no other tackles really on this roster so um, I thought swing tackle was a huge part of what the draft needed to be about I actually had Blake Freeland mocked to the Colts the big reason why I had him mocked to the Colts certainly the athletic traits I think it was I think he had the highest vertical jump of any offensive tackle the combine and big if there's a jump ball 
you know, all, all of those things. But what I liked about Freeland's background at BYU was this. 15 starts at right tackle, 26 at left tackle. You don't find a lot of offensive tackles, first off, that have 40 starts in college, let alone more than one season at right tackle and more than one season at left tackle. That's pretty unique. So I think if you ask him to now slide into this depth chart, you can say, all right, he is a rookie. Braden Smith and Bernard Ryman will be the starters, but in Blake Freeland, that's our Joe Haig. That's our Joe Wrights. Like, that is our swing tackle that will be the backup, and honestly... He's one injury away from whew, needed a whole lot. Now, when it comes to the left tackle position here in year two, I guess there were probably some question mark as to whether or not Bernard Ryman would still be starting at that position. Uh, he had this to say about it. I'm Bernard Ryman, and I'll be back. <laughs> I, just, I just love the pause. I think the pause is perfect so well timing, done. right? So well done. If football does not work out, he should just go to Hollywood. Uh, how about this? Jake, the loser would be Ben Banigou. With the free agent signings in the draft, he finally gets cut in camp. Well, Ben Banigou actually is no longer on the Colts roster. I was going to say, so. he's already been gone, right? Yeah, he is, um, he's already been gone. He was gone at the end of the year, wasn't he? Yeah, free agent. Yeah. Not resigned. Is that the biggest Ballard draft bust? Yeah, he was, what, was he two or three? The middle of round two. That was kind of a quiet, like, disappeared in the wind, though, in defense of the text. Right, oh, like it wasn't certainly. I yeah, mean, towards the end of the year, I mean, how many? No, you you didn't have Marks doing. You didn't have Mark doing. You know, taps for Ben Banigou right. like you did Stefan Gilmore on that end. Uh, you know, people I'd slot kind of in the loser category. I I think the cornerback group. You know, a guy that I feel like is going to be treated pretty unfairly, Jake, by the, the Colts coaching staff and Gus Bradley is I think Isaiah Rogers. Um, I feel like Isaiah Rodgers has shown enough to deserve more of an opportunity, but I think Gus Bradley and the Colts are just so obsessed with tall, long corners that they just look at Isaiah Rodgers negatively. I think we saw that last year with how much the staff played Brandon Face on over him. And look at the corners that the Colts drafted. I mean, Julius Brents, he just screams Seattle Seahawk Legion of Boom corner. I mean, just screams it. And the same thing with the fifth-round pick, Darius Rush, even the seventh-round pick, Jalen Jones. The Colts with Gus Bradley, they want big, long corners. Isaiah Rodgers was not drafted in this defense, so that is a concern that I have because I think he deserves more of an opportunity. Which which year, and my apologies here, which year was the first draft of Ballard? Uh, 17. Okay. You have some bust in there. Quincy Wilson? Yeah, I think maybe this is more for the Ballard apologists. They would say, well, Chuck Pagano was still coaching. So, can you label them kind of outright busts? Like, and he kind of makes up for it based on the fact that, like, you get Marlon Mack two rounds later, right? Who was a good player. Well, I thought, yeah, and Grover Stewart in round four was a yeah, huge was selection huge, yeah. in that draft. But He's yeah, really good. That draft had three that just didn't work out. Malik Hooker, Quincy Wilson, Terrell Basham, and Zach Manor. I so guess four. If, Yes, then you would have to say that Banigou, because he's had, I mean, these are some pretty good selections, right? I think Banigou is the biggest one. Are we going to look back in two or three years and say that, because he's starting to show a little bit. Who am I talking about? Starting to show a little bit. Speed? No. A lot of question mark about this guy coming out because people thought the Colts reached and the Colts' argument to that or counter to that was, but if he was healthy, you would see that it wasn't a reach at all. 
And now that the player is healthy, shown a little bit of glimpse, but I think you'd still like to see more. Hmm. Second round pick in 21. Oh, Dio. Yeah. Dio Dangbo. You know, that's one of them that probably is teetering, is it not? Of like, yeah, it could go either way. Yeah, you know, with Dio and Quiddy, like Quiddy Pay to me has been like kind of a B, B plus guy. Can he make the jump to an A? And it probably it's mostly health with Quiddy. And then with Dio, you probably take another rung down on the on the grading scale. You know, it kind of been like a like a C plus B impact. And again, coming off the torn torn Achilles. So to your point, Jake, I mean that was a huge injury. Uh, you know, can he take the next jump? Because obviously you need some dudes on that defensive line. You know, torn Achilles feels like it would be a bit of a detriment in getting around the house, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you talk about the wheelchair for um, for graduation, yeah. I, I think that would be an issue. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, Boo would be pretty self self sufficient <laughs> right away on that. He's end. already self sufficient. Will Boo be there to cheer you on on Saturday? <laughs> He'll be there to boo, waiting for you at the finish line. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Dad. <laughs> what was that? So again, Mark? Like I assume. Is that a boo purr by Mark Dykton there? Go, oh, Dad. Would you guys? Okay, we've had this conversation before, but you guys do have a pet voice, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is isn't someone automatically a complete one hundred percent psychopath if they don't talk to their animal yeah. in a pet voice? Hi, dog. How good afternoon, Boo. Yeah. Good to see you. Yeah. No. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Hello, sir. How I'm glad you day? got my meeting invite. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Jason West, uh, high school coach of Juju Brent. Jake, if you were a North Central product, would you want to be drafted by your hometown team, or would you think uh, too much pressure? I, I think the latter. I think it'd be really difficult between ticket requests. The number, I, I just, I think it'd be hard to focus, especially at that age. I mean, Kevin, when I was, you know, how old is he? Twenty one, twenty two. He is a little bit older. I think five years in college, but st- still, to your point. I mean, twenty three. You know, at that age. I mean, it was. I loved it. I loved every minute of my early to mid twenties, and I look back very fondly on it. And we had a ton of fun. Nobody had any money. We all just you kind of made you know you made do with what you had. Everybody's trying to find their own way. So I can't imagine being the one guy in that mix that suddenly is making big time money. And all your buddies are, you know, scattered at different at the different paces on the on the treadmill of life, right? And you would feel a responsibility and an obligation there. I think. I think it'd be tough. I, I'd almost want to just go. You know what? Like, if I got drafted right into the NFL, like just send me to, you know, whatever, like the the Arizona Cardinals, and let me toil my craft and make money and not know anybody you know i it'd be what what about you which way would you go i mean i could see pros and cons to it i I don't know if 22 23 year old me would have kind of the wherewithal to see the big picture that's also accurate i think there are some hometown type players that would admit to you after doing it like yeah it was great but i I don't think (laughs) it's not everything it's made out to be i guess when he was a frontline starting player i don't think george hill would tell you that he enjoyed everything that came with being in his hometown i i think that it i think he found it really difficult because he was in a situation where he wanted to help everybody but he couldn't he could financially but you know what i mean like at some point you got to draw the line We'll have Jason West next again, a high school coach of Juju Brents. Pat tweeted at me earlier in the show when announced that Jason West was coming on. Pat said, Jason West coached me in his early days at Triton Central. Hell of a guy. My favorite coach and teacher always brought the juice. 
Always brought the juice. So an infusion of juice and some insight on Juju Brents. Coming up next here, Kevin and Query, 8 o'clock hour on 93.5, the- Kevin, here we go. I, I just found this on, uh, on the internet. Uh, cold-pressed juice, name of the brand is Little West. How about that? So we've got West. Now, I don't know about Little, but we've got West and then Juice all in, all wrapped into one. And again, this in reference to Pat tweeted at me earlier in the show and said, Jason West coached me in his early days at Triton Central. Hell of a guy. My favorite coach and teacher always brought the juice. Jason West, are you bringing the juice to us here at 8 a.m. on this Wednesday morning? Hey, I hope so. You know, if you're juiceless, you're useless. That's what we kind of say to you know, the kids every day. If you don't have any energy yet. You know, you're kind of energy energy vampire. We just send you on home, maybe tomorrow, you know. Look at that yeah. energy vampire. I need to write if these down. Juiceless, I, need to, I got two young kids. We need to be slapping the wall on our way out of the house each day, hitting these uh, hitting these signs. Uh, Coach, in all seriousness, thank you for the time th- th- this morning. I've seen a few quotes from you in regards to Juju Brents. It sounds like you are quite a fan of him, not only as a football player, but as a worker as well. Yeah, that's you know that's why we do this job. You you try to help young men, you know, along their path and and help them develop and to become good young men, you know, first and foremost. And and then whatever you know trade they get into, that that they have the confidence and um, and believe in themselves that they they can be successful. And so Julius is a perfect model of of how you know you'd want it to go for not only your own kid but any any kid that you have the the pleasure to coach. So it's it's worked out great. You know, it would be easy probably, coach, to say you know, and you've had obviously players that have made it to the ultimate level. I mean, David Bell comes to mind. You've had several, I'm sure, but and it's probably easy to say like, oh yeah, I knew all along. But tell me about maybe a characteristic or a trait. And I don't mean physically speaking, but just where you can kind of tell, if at all, maybe the answer is, man, there's you have no way to know, Jake, until they're 19, 20 years old. But was there any indication early on that you saw something and thought, this guy can go to the highest level? Well, you just never know. Getting, getting to the NFL is so difficult. Uh, you know, you got 50, 50 on a roster and 30-some teams. or 1,500. So you got a better chance of winning the lottery if you, if you play it. And and so it's it's hard to forecast, but you, there are some characteristics, you know, and consummate professional. You have to you have to be about it every day, whatever you do, whatever trade. The best of the best are are all in every day. They they just don't seem to find a way out of things. They find a way into things. Um, and so and then being an undeniable you know type person and in a good way that really you can't be turned away from. Your, your dream or your vision or, or you know what your goal is uh, the people who set, set goals and, and try to accomplish them every day uh, seem to, to do so more than those who do not and so it is it's great to see uh, you know them set these goals and achieve them along each level they go from high school you know from freshman football where you get them first to JV to varsity to, to college and and if you're lucky enough that you know CFL or NFL so it's just a pleasure to, to watch and it makes you very proud that you're a part, you know, a small part of their life that hopefully affected them in a positive way and gave them a chance at, you know, achieving their goals. And Jason West is with us, head coach of Franklin Central, spent eight years at Warren Central, and that is where he coached Julius Juju Brents. Um, coach, when I walked into the Colts indoor facility about a month ago for the team's local pro day, and I first saw uh, Juju, if you would have handed me a paper and said, like, all right, what position does he play? I would have guessed probably safety. Then I probably would have guessed linebacker yep. and maybe even like wide out before I got to corner. Did he always have that sort of frame? And like, was there any part of you that's like, wow, this is like a 
this this guy needs to be playing a different position because he's just so big for corner. Well, he he was really slight, um, so corner fits him. He, he's a he's a thinner bone kid, but long long levers. Um, so he he moves really really well, as you saw at the combine. He, he smashed about every thing there was that you could break, or you know, <laughs> as far as testing wise. So he we you know his, his sophomore year he really started popping off and having huge markers. You know, I think he broad jumped like ten six as a sophomore, and and so he had a a lot of natural you know pop in in his lower unit and then his length. So he he started to grow at that at that you know time too. His freshman year, he was probably you know five nine five ten like a lot of kids, and and he kept expanding about an inch or two every year. And then I think he even grew in college. You know, I think probably an inch or two because every time I see him, every time I stand next to him, I'm like, I'm either shrinking or he's growing. Um, <laughs> so he and he just keeps expanding. So. Uh, I think if you play that position early, you can play it later. You know, you can't go backwards in football. If you're a corner, you can go to safety. If safety, you can go to linebacker. If you're a linebacker, you can go to inside. Then the end, you know, the model of moving forward. But he's always kind of stayed a corner and developed properly all along. So, And he's been around, you know, some great people to train him. And, and like Julius, like I said, he shows up every day. He he, he is no nonsense. You, you won't, you know, get a whole lot of – of glam out of him or talk he's just uh he's just a grinder and that's kind of the kids that we like and that we try to create and so he uh along the way you know worked so hard on his his length that it kept him at corner to where some kids just you know naturally grow and you have to move them up in the box or in or or something but and he still could like i said four years down the road he could, he's a kid he could he could move up he he gives you probably a player that can play three or four positions right out the gate. He can play corner. He can play field. He can play safety. He can roll down. You know, he can play. He can match up as a nickel guy, like a nickel Sam. Um, you know, if you get a matchup on a big flex tight end that, that everybody likes to have, you know, he can he can match up anywhere. He can play press, you know, because he's so so long, um, and he runs well enough to to play man. You know, and, and zones easier for him just because of the length of his levers. So you know, he he's very interesting to me as far as a, as a draft pick because he gives you so much flexibility. Coach, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express about a year ago, so that helps. <laughs> so he, here's what I was just thinking as we're, as we're talking about him. The years would line up. I would, I would assume that we're talking about a guy that not only during the, the important years of high school where you're developing both physically and probably mentally the game of football – but he probably was lining up against David Bell more often than not in practice, right? That had to be advantageous, probably for both, right? Oh, yeah, iron sharpens iron. And we try to do it as much as possible. I was lucky to have a front row seat to one of the coolest shows you know, in high school. So uh, David could do so many things. He's so kinesthetically gifted and such a sharp and heady player, you know. And uh, and Julius is the same thing. He he studies. Like Julius is not a big guy who makes mistakes twice, and neither is David. And that's what, again, what the best do. Uh, they don't continue to make the same mistakes, and they don't lose their confidence. So, like Julius, if you're going to play DB in the, in the NFL or any anywhere now, because everybody throws the ball pretty well, even in high school, you have to have short-term memory loss. You have to move on to the next play um, in the next day. And, and so he's going to have some ups and downs. But it was, it was great to see him battle. You know, whether it was one-on-one, seven-on-seven. And they never got after each other personally. They knew what the, the goal was, and that was to make each other better. Um, and, and if you, you know, hang your head or feel sorry for yourself, and, and that school, uh, the, you know, the schedule we played or the schedule he went on to play in college, you, you're not going to make it. So um, I think those early traits to be tough and get through it and you're going to lose some, but next play really stuck, you know, with him. Because we had Mike Tutsi in that group and DeJon. We had some, some really, really – 
uh, great kids in that perimeter for those few years, and it was a lot, a lot of fun. Now, which of those two do you feel most benefited from the daily practice against one another? Um, I don't know if there's a – I mean, David benefited from it because we had a pretty good – uh, perimeter, so it didn't matter if he's on Julius or if he's on Mike or if he's on. Doc. I mean, he had somebody all across the board that he had to go had, had to go to work, and that was really good for David. But for Julius, I think it was great because if you can see an NFL type receiver early in your career, you know, you know, you, you figure out their catch radius, you know, how they run their routes. Um, you know, David is always open; he's uncoverable. It's a, it's, a, it's the dangest thing. I mean, he, he's not the He's not a blazer, but he's he's hard to cover because he's very crafty and he's very strong. So I think Julius got a front row seat at at kind of finding out what that's all about. He didn't have to wait to college to see an NFL type kid, and I think that is a huge advantage for sure. Coach, last one for me, and appreciate the time. Uh, you've obviously coached in this area for quite some time. It'd probably be foolish for me to ask one of your own players, so I'll kind of spin the question the other way. Who's the best high school football player you've coached against in your time here locally oh you're killing me uh, see the kids all the guys i've coached i've been coaching too long probably I'm getting old and um so i've been lucky enough to see some of some of the greatest players that you can see man i've coached against terry mclaurin rondell moore uh, i've still never seen a kid move like that i've never seen a kid fast as terry um you know Caden curry uh in the box was one of the most amazing kids I've, I've ever seen or, or coached against so i think it'd be real hard you know and then i got to coach trey roberson and i've coached again you know against james banks and um i mean i could go a, a list of man of i really i thought banks was coach i i thought banks was and, and no, nothing against those guys you mentioned but to me james banks was the one that literally it, he looked like Super Mario Brothers when, like, you were on the extra speed, like, from everything else and could leap higher than everything. I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah, he was like Bo Jackson in Tecmo. But, totally. Uh, you know, Trey Roberson's probably the closest thing to him that I've seen that could, you know, could run, could throw, you know, could return a, a kick, could go play DB. Um, but, yeah, James, was, he's definitely special. So, yeah, I've had the, the pleasure just coaching against so many and being in the mix for so long and, and playing some teams out of state that were a lot of fun. And in an All-American game, I've coached in two of those, and that's you want to see some really cool kids. This whole draft, I think there's probably 15 or 20 of them that I got to coach in that 20 team that got drafted. And then I was a running back coach in 18. I, uh, Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon were my running back, so Ooh. I didn't have to coach them. I just had to make yeah. sure their laces were all t- you know tied up nice and you know they had water. <laughs> yeah. um, so I did a good job of that. You know, wow. I felt pretty good about my week. That's, so, a, that's you know, an awesome experience. Yeah, yeah, I've been the luckiest guy alive. I, I don't know why or, 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 you know, for what reason, but I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by some great people and great kids and, and great parents and, and great admin that's, you know, taking taking great care of, of us. And so I couldn't be more happy. And when these type of things happen, it just, you know, it, it makes your day. And, and just because you see product of all your work. It, like I said, you don't get to see how the kids are now. We're, we're always proud of them on their daily journey, but, it's the 20 years down the road. Whether they, they turn into good men, did they, did they, you know, follow the path? Did they believe in themselves? And so it's great to see when these kids, especially at an early age, can go be one of the elite in the world in something. It's it's really really special, and I couldn't be more happy for them. 
Well, congrats on Julius. Uh, his draft call with Chris Ballard, I think in some way, shape, or form, he said, I'm ready to work about 50 times in the minute draft call that he had with the Colts. So he certainly is looking forward to this weekend. I know a little banged up right now, but sounds like he'll be full go for training camp. Uh, congrats on that. Good luck with everything down there at Franklin Central, and uh, we'll certainly be following along. Thank you, Coach. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on. And, yeah, he'll go to work, no doubt about it. Jason West right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Energy vampires. No energy vampires today, Jake. Uh, you got to be you're useless if you're juiceless, man. Uh, hey, Jake, Juju isn't your normal 21-year-old. He's very family-oriented. He'd rather spend time with his grandmother than go to a club. I lived across the road from him for over 10 years. That's cool. Yeah, I was talking with a couple people that, um, not just Jason West, that have coached at Warren and, and know him, and I mean nothing but great things about him. You know, never late, never mispractice, all those things. Um, Jason West brought up Rondell Moore. Jake, I've seen some people compare the Colts' third-round pick, Josh Downs, a little bit to Rondell Moore. That's pretty high praise there. And just their ability to kind of make some plays with the ball in their hands, just that elusiveness, the quickness. And I know I said this on Monday's show, but and maybe it's scar tissue from being in this market and watching the Colts for the last 30 years. How many slot receivers have just torched the Colts over the years? So many of these sub-six-foot guys just torched the Colts. And now in Josh Downs, I think you have the ability to try and provide your offense with something I think they've lacked. I think they've lacked that sort of skill set at receiver. So um, Josh Downs, I think, will be um, certainly a name to watch. By the way... And I'm not hating anybody for it. I get it. I totally get it. I, it but it, is there like a – did they get like buy one, get one free on hair dye out on West 56th? I'm watching the video of Chris Ballard calling, making the calls, and, and uh-huh. is he also doing a little a – little, Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice anything for the GM. A different, a different it, it did look like the owner – I thought the owner had just gotten off one of those movie sets. So here, Mark Dykton has walked around because he is – Closing the blinds here. Yeah. Mark, take a look here at this video. Is it the angle? Is it the sunlight coming through onto my computer screen? Or does it look like maybe there's also... There's a bit of color in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's Chris Ballard. A little, he, light, a little lighter. He looks like Ron Howard. Are, are you looking also? Uh, I was <laughs> looking more at the Jim Irsay one. Well, Ursay definitely. And Jim Ursay doesn't look bad. It just is, it's like with Bob Barker. Like it was such an overnight change. You're like, whoa, the hair color changed that you notice it. You know what I mean? See, the hair I like, Bob, I like that Bob Baffert's hair, but now he's banned from the Kentucky Derby. Now, he's not the one that wears the sunglasses, right? The Ferrari is it sunglasses? Dwayne, That's Lucas, D Wayne. Is that I think. what we're talking about? Bob Baffert has the, the long flowing white hair, right? I believe so. We got the Derby guy coming Friday, Mark? Yeah, Friday. Caleb something. Caleb something. We're going to introduce on Friday. We're yeah, going to talk to uh-huh. Caleb something. Boy. Hi, Caleb something. Put your five twenty nines on this horse. Thanks to Caleb something. Caleb Keller. I uh, Caleb Keller. Caleb something. I'm looking up hair dye for general managers. Hey, Caleb. It's Mark something from the fan dealio. From the Kevin and something. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, thanks. Sure. Is that how it goes? Uh-huh. That's the name of this program, the Kevin mm-hmm. and Something Show. Okay. Yeah, Mark, there goes the sure. ego for the night. Yeah, no. <laughs> Listen. I, I have no ego, okay? But I'm very confident in myself. Mm-hmm. So your words can't hurt me. So now you sound like you're your PR agent <laughs> writing a description of you. My we, own quarterback coach. We were talking about this earlier. Juju Brent's the 44th pick. Again, I think we just kind of get used to it in this city with the NBA draft. Like, you just wait for the Indy kid to go. Oh, yeah, Indianapolis, another NBA draft pick. The NFL, 
lately have not really had it to that degree. We mentioned Zach Martin, of course, now nearly a decade ago. Um, who was it? Bruce messaged me a little bit earlier. Uh, Pete Warner from Cathedral was a second-round pick, late second-round pick for the Saints a few years ago. He's really had a nice start to his rookie year. I mean, we forgot about David Bell. Well, Bell in the third round, of course, but 44. Again, I mean, that is that is a high, high pick. And, you know, this could go down a different rabbit hole, Jake, but it's not like – David Bell was really highly ranked coming out of Warren Central. And, of right. course, you know, Purdue got him. But when you look at Juju Brents' high school, like, resume and whatever, his rivals ranking and 247 and all that, that's a guy that should not have left the state. And went to Iowa and then transferred to Kansas State. You mean should not, should not have left the state because he was... Like, the state Big Ten schools need to keep those types of players right. in state. And you wonder why you're where you are as programs, and obviously the Indiana more so than Purdue as of late. These are some of the reasons why. If you were a top player right now, <laughs> granted, I probably wouldn't want to go to those. And Notre schools. Dame did not recruit you. Where would you go? Oh, jeez, um, that's a great question. And again, I'm not talking about if you're a quarterback or running, but you know, you're a corner, you're a safety, just a position am that's I kind purely of purely thinking the NFL, or am I thinking a little bit more of? Yeah, you're you're thinking NFL. I mean, it's hard not to go to Bama or Georgia. Yeah. I mean, Alabama just, it's amazing, right? Here we go. Like, just. I think the ambiance at Texas in more ways than one would be pretty cool. UCLA, USC. Woo! I I was trying to be somewhat close. Home to mom. Arizona State. All right, all right. We're trying to, you know, have some sort of professional career. Um, why? One of the one of the undrafted. Why start now? <laughs> yeah. What do you no, I mean, say, Mark? You can't have your shirt off and have our, a professional career. We refer to our guests as Caleb something. <laughs> let's show, mayo and let's show a little professionalism. Drink PBRs with donuts at seven in the morning. We um, obviously the twelve draft picks will come into town for the Colts tomorrow night, along with the undrafted free agents. One of those undrafted free agents who is at a position of need and a local tie, um, Emil Echior. Played at Cathedral, started at Alabama for the last three years. Uh, one of his coaches and I were talking a little bit earlier today. Um, Four-year starter at Cathedral was literally on the freshman team for one rep, destroyed a senior, and they immediately pulled him up. Could have had a lot of ego. Extremely humble, quiet kid. Just shows up and gets the work done. I couldn't think of one negative thing to say about him as a person or a player. Jake, you know how unheard of it is at a school of even cathedral size which isn't major but obviously their football program is pretty good to start for four years on the offensive line no that's for sure yeah even at a class a school yeah that's like saying i mean so you know what i was could be a name to watch i think he definitely is a name to watch in the undrafted class when i was in school you were an amazing athlete if you were starting to get looks at the varsity level by the end of sophomore year sure you know, now yeah. it's, it's different. By the way, I'd like to do a a, a poll, and, and people can just simply text me, right? Oh, I thought for a second you were going to go with the hip hugger poll. <laughs> Think <laughs> about next Wednesday next week. and the graduation. Five two three ninety two eighty eight is my telephone number. That's five two three ninety two eighty eight. I always tell people Twitter poll. No, well, we can do Twitter poll, too. You can tweet me at Jake Query, J-A-K-E-Q-U-E-R-Y. But I want to know if people would consider this program professional. 
That's what I'd like to know. Do you consider us professional or is professional? Because sometimes professional means stuffy, right? And I'd like to think that we're just the everyday guy. We're the PBR donut shirt off guy, but are we professional? Now, our, our, okay, okay. I think we find a balance of, you know, can re- relate to the common folk, but maybe a little bit of education here or there. Yeah. Because <laughs> right? what do we do on this program, Mark? We educate and entertain. Yes. Thank you, Mark, for that. If you've got problems with your oh, Okay, uh, now, we don't need to be running hips, that. I, sure. what, what are we doing here? I'm we're trying to show how professional we are. Can I show you the delete button on that? that you talked <laughs> no. over that. That's such a I know, lightning I like I should... clip. If you've got problems with your Listen, uh, we your, don't your, need to be going there because we have a professional show to do. Mark, you can turn off Jake's mic when you I play that. that. I can probably help you out on that. Uh, by the way, the with the next pick, um, I should probably text someone on when that's going to come out. I believe that's coming out at some point this week. Uh, obviously, that will be great intel on uh, the background on these cold straps. I don't smell like an egg salad sandwich, but it really, really works. Again, showing how professional we are. That's the fellow that puts mayonnaise in his hair. Yeah. I, I thought literally right there, and, and I'm not, this is not critiquing your professionalism but rather my sophomoric nature i thought you said width of next or uh, i'm sorry width of next pick and i'm thinking all all i could think about was like somebody with this big huge wide neck and i'm like what are you talking about width of necks bill romanowski here (laughs) or something like that yeah you know brian the adam's apple on that guy (laughs) uh steven holder at nine Uh, Matt Miller from ESPN at nine. Mark is completely amusing himself now. Just play the Rick Venturi comment after this. Oh my God! Not tonight, sweetheart. Give me a hand. Is that okay. Coach Venturi? Of course so. Okay. Uh, all right, morning checkdown. <laughs> the morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Possession into the end zone for a... Maybe that's how to describe the night for Anthony Davis last night. It was pretty special as the Lakers steal one in game one on the road. 30 points, 23 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks, just oon turnover in 43 minutes of action. Uh, Some big defensive moments late from the Lakers, and they get game one in Golden State. And Jake, again, I think it is an awesome atmosphere. I know we're supposed to hate the Knicks, but I love watching them in the playoffs at Madison Square Garden. Fun atmosphere, and the team delivered for them and needed it without Jimmy Butler. Every game in the Garden should be a matinee. Every game should be an afternoon game because it's just old school, fun, nostalgic basketball. Do they only play the organ? I feel like of all the arenas, they play the organ the most. Man, when I'll tell you when when I was a during those Pacers Knicks playoffs, that organ drove me berserk. Could not stand it, and it is cool though. But yes, I think they are probably the only one, right? I feel like they play more than others, though. Absolutely, and the guy knows like two notes. Uh, But Jalen Brunson, big for them. Josh Hart last night. Again, there was a moment, certainly in the fourth quarter, where it looked like the Heat potentially would go up 2-0. But that series now tied at 1. We'll see about Jimmy Butler getting some rest here ahead to Game 3 Saturday. You know... Miami got 22 out of Caleb Martin. Better known to Mark Dykton as what NBA player, Mark? Caleb something. <laughs> now, the big... <laughs> <laughs> what Mark is Kevin, we've completely lost control. Mark has now decided this just, just turned into his favorite clips. Now. <laughs> is that all we're doing? Well, we're just, I'm, just it. I'm waiting for the Aztecs. I'm waiting mm-hmm. for you know. Can we get a Mr. Gilmore? Yeah, you can get whatever. Well, wait a minute. Let's be careful here. How do you start the morning Speak. check down, Mark? I meant to ask you this. Alex Pierce.
okay. when you start the morning checkdown, at times that initial sound sounds like my artifi- my not artificial, my authentic mayo in the coffee. Yeah. S- start the morning checkdown again. The that wow, that sound, does. right? Yeah. yeah, a little bit. That is something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll show you where my mind is. Do you think it's weird to go from the Stephon Gilmore clip to the Knickerbockers? Well, you of New York? somehow transitioned to Celtics 76ers today. <laughs> Joel Embiid won MVP, right? Uh, Joel Embiid is indeed your NBA most valuable player. And the question now becomes, is Joel Embiid going to be back on the floor for the 76ers? They are taking on the Boston Celtics tonight. 8 o'clock tip. Sixers lead that series one game to nothing in the NBA Eastern Conference. Right now, still a 10-point underdog. Sixers, so I think an indication there that Joel Embiid is iffy here for Game 2. All right, Major League Baseball yesterday. Reds won an extras, late one out west. Jonathan India getting it done for the Reds. Uh, and shame to see the Cubs lose. Oh, 4-1, the Nationals over the Cubs yesterday. Dodgers over the Phillies, 13-1. the White 13-1. Sox got to win. Back-to-back, that's two in that? a row. How about that? Break Don't up the now. Sox, man. I told you we're going to a White Sox game coming up I here. I think in- Mark's kind of hot. <laughs> Okay. Angels over the Cardinals, 5-1. Kevin is staring at the floor. I just don't want to pigeon my hole. Last time I complimented Mark on a strong betting streak. Hey, Jake, unfortunately, Kevin's the only professional one on the program. Somebody just said that, Mark. He is, he is okay, not wrong. A moron. <laughs> okay. What do you want to talk about next, Jake? <laughs> Anything but Mark's professionalism. What about buddy sexing me? <laughs> we'll do be you, back. Kevin you save every really nice Wednesday here oh, in Indianapolis. I'm terrified now of Mark, what Mark does over there. Mark is the friend that's taking a picture of you at every moment of your life, and now your lowest moment. Don't here fall he asleep in that guy's house. Good we'll be Lord. back. Beautiful Wednesday. How great is that, Mike Chapel sounder? the best <laughs> holy cow um, i think squirrels are the best animal athlete chris bowder drafted a squirrel very high that agility are. the lateral quickness is just absurd you know the i'll tell you one thing in terms of like reaction time that's amazing how many times you've driven for what kevin you've been driving for 20 years 19 years something like that right oh jeez. How old does he think I am, Mark? You're 34, right? 33? 33. So you've been driving 17 years, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's what you think. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Son of a driver's ed teacher, by the way. How many times do you, are you driving along at a pretty good clip and there's like a a murder of crows? That's what they're called, mm-hmm. by the way. I know. And all of a sudden, like, I mean, you, you get right on it and they all flutter away and they somehow all manage to avoid your car. Uh, it's, it's quite impressive. I'm, I mean, honestly, like the, the instinct on those things are unbelievable. It's gotten to the point where I just don't even slow down because I know that they have <laughs> unbelievable instincts. We don't have a deal with the crows. Well, that as well. It's the pigeons we do. But the, unless you're counting them. But yes, squirrels are pretty unbelievable. Squirrels um, like to play the game of get in your in front of your car at the very last second. That's the game they Correct. like to play. Well, they, and they're very... Um, it's almost like they're playing a game of chicken with <laughs> their friends. <laughs> they are. Go ahead, Gary. Get out there. Uh, hey, Jake, I hear that you're running the mini on Saturday. This is from David. What's the over-under on finish time? Um, I have always said this about the mini marathon. The best I've ever done... I'm not a runner. Uh, admittedly, I'm not a runner. I, I don't... Um, the best I've ever done it in was 205. I'm 50 years old now, and... I. 
I don't think I talked to Mottman yesterday. I'm like, look, I, I, there's no way I, with school, and quite frankly, with school the last semester in particular, my workout regimen has been really tapered off. So we're just going to go and do it and have fun. But I've always said for anybody doing the mini marathon, if you're doing the mini this weekend, in the end, I know that people have personal goals on times and things like that. But for the most part, nobody cares. Just do it. Just do it and have fun, whatever else. If you're competitive, I get it. But I'd like to do it under three, but we're going to run, walk, run, walk. We stop, talk. I pet every dog along the way. I high five kids. I, you know, I just do it for fun. Uh, your favorite part of the many non-track related although the track might you, be like oh my gosh i've got to run that whole straight away have you done it uh no i've not mark have you done it Never. to me the track is i think to a lot of people the track is very mentally daunting because you think like oh wow like we just have to do a lap around the track and it's massive i spend so much time there that i'm obviously very familiar with how big it is so so that that part of it actually is kind of i'm not gonna say easy but i think not as mentally challenging um as to a lot of people my favorite part of it probably is the stretch going along main street of speedway and seeing all the people because i i you know just seeing so many familiar faces or there is stop at big woods for a beer <laughs> well they you know there, there was a stretch on 10th where there was a bar that would put out cups of beer and people could stop and get them and i I, they put the kibosh on that because you couldn't verify everybody was 21 um my favorite part about it is actually along 10th street the number of people that live there that are out on their front porch watching and waving and cheering for you and stuff like that i think the best thing about it is just the fact that everybody there's just a a kind of a fraternal feeling with thirty thousand people that you're doing it with you know, but the the um, the last stretch though, when you come over the bridge and you're going on New York, it's it's pretty daunting because you're like, oh my gosh, how much further do we have? But it's cool. And the weather looks great for this weekend. Um, so obviously, the mini this Saturday, next Saturday the Grand Prix, the Saturday after that will be Qualls. Correct. And then of course you'll get the Saturday before the race. I was thinking about this yesterday, Jake. Again, thirty-four cars for thirty-three spots coming up for the five hundred. But no, no Jimmy Johnson back. Why did I think Jimmy was going to maybe do this for a multiple-year thing? Yeah, there. Well, there was certainly talk about it, right? That he was going to. When I think everybody knew that he was done in terms of IndyCar itself. I um, thought he loved the five hundred though, and like had a decent performance, qualified yeah. relatively high. Yeah, I you know, and I think that there was the there was a lot of thought that he would do one race, um, and then obviously they just I think that was probably a Carvana decision, but he's still doing some NASCAR stuff. But he he wasn't he actually I thought did a pretty good job last year. He ended up crashing at the end of the race pretty hard, um, but ran a good race. He probably was not a contender to win the race, but he was certainly competitive and showed himself well i think it'll be a good race because there are you know canon i I mean there are guys that are going to be in a one-off that are that that have the chance to be really good canon being one of them um is it sato takuma sato now with ganassi correct so sato will be in the car that is split with marcus armstrong who's a really talented young road and street course driver sato's another one kevin i mean because when he has done well, it's not like he's been with the marquee teams. I mean, correct. And, and But Sato, 
Sato knows his way around that place. I mean, I know he's a two-time winner, but he could be in. He could be a four-time winner, honestly. If you if you really factor in races where he was in the mix at the end, he, he knows his way around that place. Stephen Holder going to join us at nine. We'll talk more Colts draft coming up in about an hour with Matt Miller from ESPN. Jake, we've progressively kind of gone through this twelve-man draft class, try to get a little bit more into some of these picks. Any of the names that we have not mentioned yet on the Colts draft front that not named Jake Witt that you have curiosity about? Yeah, who's the um, and I apologize that I'm even going to ask the name here but where I'm a little bit intrigued when you start going and I do think that at some point they, they just said look, there are certain players whose athleticism is such that we got to take a, a, a flyer even if we don't know how good a player they are daniel scott is intriguing to me because doesn't he kind of fall into that category yeah scott is a super old prospect actually i mean i I was shocked when i saw his age and i guess you do get some of these players particularly college basketball right now you know guys that have stayed in school for quite some time daniel scott's going to turn 25 years old in october Um, that is very old for an nfl draft prospect um so again, special teams is going to be probably his calling card from day one. And new special teams coach Brian Mason certainly will look to him in that role. You know, Chris Boward feels like he could play a little bit more defensively early on than I think I probably initially thought. Now, granted, given his age and he played a lot of different spots at Cal, I I guess I can see why the Colts would think that. Um, but you know, how they play the safety position will be interesting this year. Julian Blackman's in a contract year. Rodney Thomas the second. Had a great rookie season out of Yale as a seventh round pick. And Jake, I almost think we forget this. You know, the Colts didn't have their own third round pick this year. The third round pick they used for Josh Downs was from the Carson Wentz trade with Washington. Their third round pick for this year, they traded last April for Nick Cross. Now, Nick Cross is on the flip side of Daniel Scott. Daniel Scott was 24 when he was drafted, Nick Cross was 20 when he was drafted. The guy started the season opener last year, played week two, and then got benched. Just flat out benched. I think he was a healthy scratch at one point late in the year. So, um, just mentally, they felt like he just wasn't playing to his speed, and it was a little bit too much for him. So, uh, kind of a big year, too, for a guy like Nick Cross. You know, Blackman, again, he's in a contract year, crossing year two after barely playing as a rookie. Um, it's a young group. And last year, Rodney McLeod was a key veteran for them, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be back. I really like Blackman. But, Kevin, when considering his contractual status, you have to factor health into it, don't you? Yeah. um, And that's unfair, I realize. Yeah. And he hasn't been, you know, he he came into the NFL a little bit more injured. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you, you certainly can't ignore it. I also think this gets back into our Isaiah Rogers discussion from earlier. You know, if Gus Bradley's going to be here for several years, this is Gus Bradley's defense. And, you know, he kind of gets to, you know, be the overseer of that side of the ball and have a big say in a lot of personnel decisions. And Julian Blackman was not a Gus Bradley draft pick. So, you know, if you're looking at Isaiah Rogers, you're looking at Julian Blackman, I guess Kenny Moore would be thrown into that group. Jake, that might be the only guys left. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody. Those might be the only guys left from the Matt Eberflus era in the secondary. They've really turned over that secondary big time. What position in the NFL not named running back do you feel has the shortest window? What's the position that you would take the Bill Polian approach of, I'm not going to give him a second contract? Uh, There's probably a little bit of linebacker in there. 
and now maybe the Colts, obviously in Leonard's case, they gave him the second contract. I understand that, but you know they let Anthony Walker walk. They let Bobby Okereke walk. Um, Hell, you go back to the days of you know Cato June and Mike Peterson and Clint Marcus Session. Washington. Yeah. So that problem, and again, maybe I'm being a little bit more of just hey, I, I'm used to it in this market. Uh, what would you say? Would you, would, would, is there something else that popped into your? I mean, your mind? defensive back feels that safety feels that way a little bit. And partially just because I think that in corner and safety both, especially safety, safety is the one position in the NFL that you are playing with the longest amount of uninterrupted speed. Because you're starting towards the back, especially if you're free, and you're moving from the back of the field towards wherever the play is happening at the highest rate of speed and and that ability that closing ability is what separates guys so the second that goes away then suddenly you're falling back to the pack and it just seems like the combination of the natural drop-off that happens with age but more so health safety you're playing at a collision speed all the time and it does feel like there is a cons- – I mean, think about the number – what what position, Kevin, has had more, like, question mark of really good players that that you use the what if about than safety in this town. I mean, you start with Bob Sanders. Blackman certainly comes to mind. I mean, there have been a lot of players. Now, they had Antoine Bethea, who was a really good player for a long time, and that's probably rare – but it just seems like that's one that you can kind of rotate through. That's why Daniel Scott, to me, is of intrigue. Speaking of Bob Sanders, and speaking of Juju Brents, who, again, we had on Jason West a little bit ago as high school coach and mentioned that you know he, he's not slamming the door shut on a, you know, Juju Brents could grow into a different sort of position at the NFL level. Again, when, when I saw him at first, I'm thinking, that dude is a linebacker or safety. Uh, I believe Bob Sanders is Juju Brents' favorite player. Here was uh, Juju on Friday night after the Colts took him and kept the hometown kid here in in, uh, in Indy. It's crazy. Um, it's just been a blessing, you know, just just going through this process, um, you know, playing the waiting game, you know, just dealing with the unknown, not knowing how exactly it's going to play out. I just keep my faith strong in God and uh, just knowing when I get the opportunity, I'm going to take the, take the most advantage of it. And uh, what better way for me to be back at home in my hometown where I grew up, uh, grew up being a coach fan, you know, it's um, it's crazy. I really, it's hard for me really to put it into words, but uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. You know, I'm kind of just on sky high right now. I'm trying to come back down to earth, but uh, it's crazy. Peyton Manning, Bob Sanders, his favorite Colts. I looked this up. up. No, hold on. He's how old? I think he's 23. So he would have been born in 2000. Sounds right. So he would have been. Six when they won the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And Sanders, I mean, it seems like half of his elementary school years would have been wondering if Sanders was going to play. Right. Well, Sanders, what was it? The year after the Super Bowl, he was Defensive Player of the Year. I think that's right. Um, I mean, certainly just watching clips of him, and and it sounds like physicality and him as a tackler. There's no real concern there for Juju Brents, and given the fact that he loves Bob Sanders, that probably isn't too much of a surprise for him. The interesting thing about the sports in this town, 
professionally speaking. The Pacers have been to an NBA Finals, but I think most people would tell you that was not the best Pacers team of that era. And the Colts won the Super Bowl, and I don't know that it was one of the three best Colts teams of that era. I think the team that that lost to the Saints and the team that lost to the Steelers here were both better. I know that sounds crazy because they won a Super Bowl. I feel like Reggie Wayne and even Mathis, I remember they had a discussion one day where in some order they listed the 05, 07, and 09 teams. So the 06 team won the Super Bowl. 09 lost to the Saints in the Super Bowl. Um, 07 was what, Chargers? Correct. Was that the, uh, who's the punter? Uh, Cypress. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then 05 was obviously the Nick Harper That 05 team, man, I'm telling you. And that was still edge. You know, you, you still yeah. had edge on that team. So 05, 07, 09, in some order, those three would go b- above... Oh, six. And again, this gets back to the point that I've made about just what you want as a fan and what you're trying to build as a football franchise. To me, Jake, what you're trying to achieve is an eight to 10 year run. Can you get on an annual basis to where you've created a decade where, sure, you're going to miss the playoffs a few times in that decade, but can you give yourself six or seven chances in the playoffs and you hope that you get home field in some of those? And the bracket falls your way like it did in 06. I mean, the bracket fell your way to the point where you had the home game for the AFC right. title game, even though you were the three seed or whatever they were entering that that postseason. I think that's the goal. That's what you're trying to achieve. And that's why I've always been such a huge advocate for go down the rookie contract quarterback path, because to me, that's the best way to try and get there. Yeah, I think, you know, that there are two ways to look at it. I mean, one is to say that that era was, and I think Jim Mersey sees it this way, of... It was great, but we should have won more than one Super Bowl, which is what we're sitting here talking about. You know, the other side of it that I always took issue with was the resting the players. And I mean, some of these are old bad wounds in this town to fans, I realize. But the resting of players and then using the argument of we don't care about records. Like, we're not going to go for 16-0 because records don't matter. All that matters is the Super Bowl. We have to get to the Super Bowl. And... They got to the Super Bowl that year. I mean, it paid off, right? But you can't tell me each year in the postseason that records don't matter if you then try to justify a decade with one Super Bowl win by telling me about the records you set. Well, we won more games than anybody in the decade, so that's fine, but you told me records don't matter. So you got to be consistent. Is this where we insert the upper quartile quote? (laughs) I forgot about that. Is that band also? Can we play Excuse that one? Me? Can we play that one? That was a hell of a night. That was upper quartile. Oh, I was busy that uh, night. Michael Jordan to Chris Ballard comparison. Do you think Michael Jordan feels insulted by that? Would he have the meme of, I take that personally? What are the odds Michael Jordan is aware of that quote? <laughs> and then, uh, I don't care how to make sausage. Was that also a quote? That I don't night? know how to make sausage. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? Y'all have been kicking the out of me for years. For The guy's a winner. You could put a side-by-side. Side. the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. You could put a side-by-side side of Chris Ballard's oh, face. Into the end zone for us. <laughs> Ballard's face that, that night versus Ballard's face last Thursday oh, after yeah. the Anthony Richardson draft. Yeah. Slightly different reactions. And, and oh. hair tent, too, right? Chris Ballard. Yeah. I guess I got to look at that picture. I guess I didn't I didn't notice that. It's for what it's worth. If we have him on, maybe you can ask him about that. 
Beach blonde, dirty blonde. Is that what you would call that color? Looks like a ballads. Yeah, it looks like. A I'd lighter. say it's more like a, a light amber, a sandy amber. So would you yeah. say sandy that sandy amber? That's a good way. Ursay's hair product. You believe Ballard was also using? Are they sharing? Do you think they bought the Duke's Mayo size portion of that? Is that what it was? Let me shake this up real quick, Mister Ursay, and let me put it on. And they and. <laughs> And like, like the mayo that you bought, did it well, difficult more? to spread to all the sides of yeah. the head. There. Was it one month before the expiration date? Like the mayo that it you might purchased? Have been. How did you buy mayonnaise that was one month from expiration? For, to be fair, I bought it a few weeks earlier. I just had there's a plenty to go around. It's 64 ounces. I'm like, what am I going to do with all this? A mayo? few weeks earlier, so you bought it with seven weeks left before it expired. Oh, it's been sitting in the fridge. It, it wasn't like I had by the furnace or anything. Have you guys made a nice uh, dent in that, Mark? Uh, no, it's still in the fridge here. I think I've yeah. got it home yet. Hey, so girls, you guys want to girls have a let's have a spoonful of mayo tonight. Mm. How does that sound? Before it's opened, a jar of mayo will last in the pantry for three months. Yeah. Okay, so maybe... You know why? Because it's foul and disgusting. You want me to go see if it's in the fridge still? I'm going to check at the break. <laughs> I don't Bring know it if in I, here, I, open the lid, no, get no, a nice no, whiff. No, 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 no. I don't know if no. I've seen the, 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 the Ballard hair. Really? Maybe it was just the. It might have been the might lighting. Might have been the lighting. Yeah, Certainly see it with Coach Ursay, but I don't see it with uh, with Bauer. All right, Stephen Holder uh, in ten minutes here. Kevin Cora. Just heard that ad for the concert with the Black Crows. I went last year. Literally, it was late in the summer. I think it was last year. And I'm like, man, I really want to go to a show at Ruoff, Deer Creek, whatever you want to call it. And I looked at their schedule, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the Black Crows are tomorrow night. And I called my buddy Michael Weir of the Elect, and I said, "Hey, you want to go to the Black Crows?" Oh, I was like, "Yeah, we're Masters champion, Mike Weir." That's right. And we went, and I got to tell you, it, they were fantastic. They sounded so good, and I know that they've had like I think issues over the years of not getting along and whatever else, but apparently they're like you know all dialed in now. They sounded so good, and were just they were great to the crowd I, I highly recommend that spot you just heard on this radio station i i 100 and aerosmith i realize is legendary but if you have any interest in the black crows if it's anything like the last time i saw them it's always good when you go to a show and you realize that the artist is putting forth their best effort and that was absolutely the case i thought they were fantastic i need to um maddie and i need to go to a White River concert this year. It's a great venue. It's great. I should be like Charlie Puth on Wednesday the 21st. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Yeah, because it was remod- Was last year the first remodel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. First year, I guess, of it. Yeah. It's really cool how they did the renovations now. It's a cool place to see a show. Comedy or musically. I mean, again, I, t- I think the last time I bet, I told you guys a story where it was the day of the Grand Prix, Jake, when it was, you know, whatever it was, 40 degrees yeah, at was- the drop of the green flag. And Ellie Golding said in her British voice, so go ahead, Jake, female British voice. Uh, it's, it's a bit chilly. We're going to go ahead and I'll meet y'all at the Natal. Uh Yeah, it was actually the <laughs> Eagle. <laughs> but yeah, I saw her at the Eagle the, that night. Six songs she was done. Okay, listen. Should you take- get your ticket back for that? For six songs, I'll be, I, I guarantee you there's a disclaimer in there, right? Yeah, we we did not get our money back, but should we? Kevin, look, and I know this is radio, people can't see it, but I, I've pulled this up on my screen. Maybe it's the lighting, but you tell me, am I off base here? Oh boy. And tell our listeners Kevin, what we're looking at. So, uh, 
Chris Ballard's hair looks like it's changed color. This is the video of when he was placing the phone call. But he's still got the gray to let him know. He does, no, for sure. But I mean, like maybe it's the lighting, but doesn't that look like almost like a red, a red-ish color? It looks like the same color though that Ursay's hair is now. And, I, and I'm not, I, I, I get it. Chris I mean, I'm not. Show. We're going to be debating hair products with him. Should I ask him? You think he'd rather be asked about that or quarterbacks? Or uh, wideouts, excuse me. Speaking of wideouts, Mark, who has every piece of audio known Y'all to man. Y'all have been kicking the out of me for years for not drafting wideouts. And all of a sudden I look up and, you know, we're underperforming on the offensive line right now. Oh, that's, that's a different one. That's a different one. Yeah, look at Mark. There's a couple of them, though. Mark's emptying everything. Yeah, this might be my last day. <laughs> might as well empty the chamber. It's <laughs> probably uh, true. Have you checked your email yet? Matt, well the key card <laughs> does it still work? Matt Miller, ESPN draft analyst, coming up at nine forty. Next, Stephen Holder from ESPN.com. Whole lot to get to with Stephen on the draft front. How much of this decision was Shane Steichen, Jim Mercy, etc.? We'll chat about it. Stephen Holder next. All right, let's head to the Payless Liquors hotline from ESPN. Stephen Holder joins us. Stephen, yesterday, you know, kind of a back and forth. Um, I think it was Mina Kimes maybe that mentioned the Chris Ballard quote from Thursday night about yeah. you know swinging on the grand slam front with or taking a big swing with Anthony Richardson. Um, it, I think the debate we had kind of lead into the draft was should that be the thought process? Should you look at the AFC and see the quarterbacks and see the youth and, and kind of this golden age of young quarterbacks and say, all right, if you're going to take one, take the one that has the potential to reach the highest ceiling? Whether it's Jim Irsay, Chris Bowder, or Shane Steichen, how much of that do you think was on the minds of the Colts? I do think, at least in part, that was their thinking. I mean, they said it in. So that confirms part of it. But I also think that none of these conversations are had like in a vacuum. They're, they're had within context. And in this particular case, the context is around what were the available quarterbacks. And, and that's something that, that multiple people in the organization communicated to me, which is that they didn't feel like any of these quarterbacks were, were the perfect prospects. And so, you know, now would would they have chosen Bryce Young if he was on the board? I don't know. Maybe that's totally possible, and, and no one would bat an eye had they done that. But but a combination of understanding where they were in the draft in terms of position, and then also understanding that all of these quarterbacks, I mean, all the listeners know what they are. They know what the flaws are in all of these guys. They they all had flaws, and there are there are flaws that that could prevent them from seeing. Their ceiling as an NFL. Given all of that, I think the decision was made. Let's take the guy with the highest upside because that's the one thing that everybody can agree on is that, all right, the upside here is greatest for this particular player. Does not mean he'll ever see the ceiling, but if you can get him there, the payoff is going to be the biggest. So I, I do think so. Now, had you had a Trevor Lawrence type of prospect or, you know, God forbid, an Andrew Luck kind of prospect in this draft and and you have access to him then that's different but that just wasn't the case steven i think i've asked you this kind of a question before but you've seen the movie the sixth sense right with bruce willis i have it's been a long time it's 30 years ago i realized but without i I can't imagine there's anybody out there that hasn't seen it but at the end of the movie there's a big reveal and then you look back 
and you start to question how you didn't see it while it was happening. Like, how did I not notice that? Now, you were pretty, I think, you know, you were pretty plugged in and adamant that Anthony Richardson was probably going to be the pick, but I'm assuming a lot of that was just kind of gut. But once it was done, because you you were around Richardson during the combine process, did you then look back at moments where you said, ah, that in fact is where it was pretty clear that was the Colts guy? So, good question. I think... Not necessarily. Here's what I here's what I would say, and I told this to JMV as well. I'll repeat it here. There were some things that have been said over the past few weeks that I think were aha moments that I didn't recognize at the time. One of them is on multiple occasions, Jim Irsay has talked about mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, twelve versus and, eleven. Yes, he said this at the owners' meetings. I, I forgot he even said it until I went back a couple weeks ago and I was going through my interviews and I saw it and I actually, you know, I had the, the presence of mind to put it out there right before the draft and I guess it made me look, you know, somewhat smart. But really, I just, I just happened to be able to read and listen. That's all it is. Anyway, he said, you know, Jalen Hurts and now you're playing, tw- as you said, 12 against 11. Um, he, said, he said he's a running back and a quarterback, so he's two players in one, so that's why you get the 12 players for the other team. And he went on and on about this, and I do not think with Jim Mersey that even though there's a lot of extra extraneous stuff when you talk to him, there's all these different tangents, right? And you have to sift through all of that to try to make sense of what he is saying. But when you really drill down, he really draws you a map oftentimes. And you just don't necessarily see it at the time. (laughs) And he did. He really did. He was telling us at the time, like, this is really important to me. And I think that's what sold him on Anthony Richardson. I'm not saying that's the only reason they drafted him. But as it relates to the owner, his sign-off was, okay, you tell me we we got a chance at Jalen Hurts, potentially. Okay, I want that. I'm in. And so he was sold by that. I think there were other things, like small things, like, for example, Morocco Brown. I knew his level of of interest and and I think conviction about Anthony Richardson that actually did inform some of my thoughts you know like it wasn't just a lot of it is gut but I think a lot of it is just taking anecdotal evidence and and looking at it and and then combining that with what makes sense and I thought what made sense uh, for the Colts given their head coach and given the other stuff that I knew I thought it did make sense that this would be their target, but but you never really know. And and the Levis conversation really did heat up to a point where I really didn't feel secure that he would be the guy. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, what I'm saying is there was no like true, you know, flashing red light that I think I missed. It was a lot of little stuff, but I do think the Ursay statements, like I said, on multiple occasions, he talked about those those. Um, mobile quarterbacks, and often, oftentimes, last thing, oftentimes what Jim Mersey is telling us often is a re- reflection of what they're talking about behind closed doors. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, I'll, I'll add one more comment, Stephen. It was probably I had heard a little bit of chatter, but it was probably the comment that kind of pushed me to fully go in on the Anthony Richardson and that's going to be the pick at four. I turned to you after Chris Boward got done last Friday at his press conference and said, 
that moment during the presser when he kind of mm-hmm. went off on a tangent about everyone's pegging us to one guy right now, yeah. and that's not true, yeah. that was Will Levis. Because all the chatter leading into Friday was about Levis nationally. And I said to you, we're going to sit here on Thursday night, and if if and when they take Anthony Richardson, it's gonna, I, I'll point back to that comment as like one that Ballard, in a typical Ballard press conference setting, he always usually says one or two things that end up becoming very, very true. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't want to overlook that because I, I, I agree. We did have that conversation, and I felt the exact same way because I didn't know what else he could possibly re- be referring to because there was there was only really one overwhelming sentiment out there. Certainly there were people saying Anthony Richardson uh, or even C.J. Stroud if he fell, and we'll just never know, but, but definitely the overwhelming uh, noise about the Colts was about Will Levis, and I think he was fully aware of that. I don't think that comment was made just off the cuff. I, I think he absolutely had an intention when he said that. Do you think that, I mean, it's neither here nor there now, Stephen, but was Ursay throwing out a smokescreen with some of the Levis chatter? Because, I, I mean, I heard it directly, for, not from Jim Ursay, but from people that said, like, hey, Ursay has said privately or, you know, talked, kind of talked up Will Levis, and then afterwards Ursay saying, yeah, we probably would have taken Levis. Uh, do you think there was internal discussion about it and that's where that leaked? Well, I mean, we know that they discussed Will Levis. I mean, that is clear. They they went, they gave him basically the same level of of scouting as the other guys. So, so I don't, you know, I don't think it's we can't discount Will Levis because they didn't discount Will Levis. They they definitely considered him. I believe Jim Mercy when he says they would have drafted Levis or traded down, and frankly, trading down would have been tough. I think. So I, I think they probably would have ended up with Levis. So, yeah, I, I really – I don't think it's – I don't know if it's so much a smokescreen as much as they were legitimately considering him. And, and I think there were two quarterbacks they knew that they were most likely to have a choice of. Right. Right? So it was either going to be one of those two guys. I mean, there were scenarios certainly where C.J. Stroud could potentially fall. But you know what this taught us is that our instincts are right. Our our pecking order for the quarterbacks was always right. <laughs> it was always right, you know. And, and I think the one thing we had initially, early, early on in the process, it was kind of like, oh well, is C.J. Stroud better than Bryce Young? He had just come off that that big game in, in the college football playoff, so there was a lot of buzz about him. But ultimately, Bryce Young had been maybe you know the best player in the country. Uh, at times, at, at much of, for much of the past couple of years, and that ultimately uh, proved to be true. He was the number one quarterback taken, C.J. Stroud next, and then Anthony Richardson, then Levis. I, I think that's kind of how I would have bet that it would have gone. So, you know, maybe what happens in the draft process is we start with a pretty decent idea of, of what the pecking order is, and then we tear it apart and lie to ourselves and convince ourselves otherwise, and then it ends up being what we thought. <laughs> Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Sugars Hotline. You, of course, can read his work at ESPN.com. Stephen, Kevin and I discussed earlier, so I'd like your input on this. In your opinion, the player or position room that is currently on the Colts roster before the draft that on draft morning woke up and went, yeah, I'm not feeling real comfortable about my job situation, would be who or which? Mm-hmm. Well, the most competitive place on the roster right now, I think, is tight end. That is – now, they only made one pick there. I get that. 
But it was already crowded, frankly. I mean, they have about six guys who I think have a shot at the, the final roster. And frankly, most teams keep three to four on, on the final 53. So Will Mallory in, in the fifth round, and I'm not saying this because he's a Miami Hurricane, but I'm telling you, I mean, this guy, he's got a shot. You know, I mean, look, I don't know. He's not he's not a perfect prospect. and But I also think the, the, the offensive issues at Miami impacted him in a negative way. I think if he gets into a, a pro system that really features the tight end and, and gives him an opportunity to, to play to his strengths, uh, he's a potential um, real ma- matchup problem for defenses. So anyway, you, you factor him into a room that already has Jelani Woods, who is on the come, and then Mo Ali Cox, who is whatever you think he is, but, but certainly is, is the most experienced guy in there. Uh, you've got Drew Ogletree, who through two weeks of training camp last season, people were telling me, this guy is our best tight end. <laughs> so, and then he tore his ACL, but he'll be back at some point. Uh, he was making pretty good progress last time I saw him. So, you know, and I could go on, right? There's, and it's, it's a list, the list goes longer than that. So I, I think that is a room there where you cannot afford to have a bad training camp because tough decisions, I think, are going to have to be made. Yeah, and call it politics, call it whatever you want, but Will Mallory was drafted by Shane Steichen. None of those other tight ends were drafted by Shane Steichen. Similar to you know, Isaiah Rogers is probably behind the eight ball at corner because he isn't a Gus Bradley corner and doesn't necessarily, I think, have the frame that Gus is looking for. Um, again, Stephen Holder with us here, ESPN.com. Uh, Stephen, the offensive line that ended last season, is that the offensive line that will start this season? Boy, it's looking more and more likely. Uh, that's one of my takeaways from this draft was I didn't hate what they did at the offensive line. I just thought there would have been an interior pick too. And if it was up to me, uh, I, I think we probably overlooked the importance of getting a swing tackle, which is what I think they, they believe they have um, in, in Blake Freeland. I mean, we'll see. But that's that's basically if we had the pencil in his role right now, that's that's where he would likely fall. Uh, I've heard a lot of good reviews about him from from draft analysts after the draft who really like that pick and, and think that he is um, he, he has a lot of athletic ability and and can step in and play as a rookie. So we'll see. They they do need depth at tackle, uh, particularly when Bernard Raymond is your left tackle and, and is still doing on the job training. Frankly, so. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, it kind of gets into my next question of like, they have this cap space. They have a decent amount of cap space still yeah. left this offseason. Ballard's mentioned O-line. He's mentioned corner. as, And this is pre-draft as maybe some positions that they would look into. So I guess, Stephen, I'm curious, like, where do you think they stand on this debate? Hey, this season, you know, it's probably going to be about the future. Let's just play some of the young guys and let's use that cap space on extending Michael Pittman and or Jonathan Taylor. Do they look at it in that lens or do they look at it in the lens of, hey, if Andy Richardson started, we need to make sure that that O-line is really secure. Let's go out and get a veteran, maybe get a veteran corner, things like that. Yeah, I think you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't think either one rules out the other. And sometimes they act like it does. I don't think it does. Look, So here's the deal. You can... First of all, we had all that Lamar Jackson conversation. I mean, frankly, we never really thought it was going to happen. But 
But you're right. Um, they still are in really good cap position. They didn't do that. You're going to have a quarterback who's going to make like $34 million over four years. His cap number is going to be very reasonable, Anthony Richardson. So you're not, you're not really impacting your cap space in a, in a major way there. And, and plus, you, you already knew that. You had that cooked, sort of baked into the cake anyway. So they're in decent shape. I mean, the, the players that are going to be available from here on out, they're not costing you $10 million anyway, you know, with, with very, very few exceptions. I mean, there are players like, you know, Yannick Ngakwe still out there who, who would command decent money, but, but those are few and far between. You know, you're talking about depth pieces or, or really someone just to come in and kind of compete for a starting job. And I think it makes sense right now. I think with the offensive line in particular, corner as well, although that was, that was addressed in the draft. But with the, the offensive line, you know, that right guard spot in particular, that helps the quarterback too. And I think that should be the biggest priority this year, should be helping Anthony Richardson get to where he needs to go. Not because you want to win 12 games this year, because I don't see that happening, but I think it's just about developing the quarterback. And the way you develop him is to give him every advantage. And so I say do it. Help him. Stephen, you and I have watched Pacer games together. Kevin and I have talked a lot about the Pacers. Stephen Holder's our guest. Which team, which franchise gets to their conference finals more recently from right now? Indiana Pacers, Indianapolis Colts. Hmm. Steven, would you go to those games if they didn't have the free drinks, alcohol to sit next to Jake for two hours, by the way? It's helpful. helpful. (laughs) Excuse me. Trust me, I've tried to do it here on a few mornings, (laughs) and unfortunately it's a bit frowned upon. Yeah, I I mean, Shannon is awesome, though. She's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh So that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. (laughs) Steven, uh, Shannon, you mind sitting in between us, actually? We'll put Jake on the other side. I noticed both of them actually are the ones that send me out to the little bar area to get refills. (laughs) Well, we talk about you when you leave. Exactly, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, I, I realize yeah, it's probably yeah, I easier. In the and it sounds crazy to say easier. I mean, in the NFL, it's one games, right? I think you it's a great question. Series. I think but, it's a great but question. but they're no, both kind of right question. there, right? I, I think it's a great question because you know, honestly, they're in very much the same place. And That's what I mean by that. Yeah, we've talked about this. We we have talked about this. I I think it's a great question, and it talks. It speaks to you know team building philosophies and and all of that. Uh, here's what I think, or here's what I would say. I, I believe that in the NBA, to some extent, it's faster to turn things around because it only takes a player or two. But the, the problem is you need like a couple true bona fide stars to really to get there. Um, in the NFL, the quarterback, to some extent, and, and I think the, the Colts also have a a higher starting – they're starting further down the road. Let's put it that way, right? They haven't completely stripped their team down. The Pacers did. So they have, they have, more, they have more room to travel, a longer way to travel. The Colts, while I don't think they're going to be good this year, I mean, if the quarterback hits, their team is not terrible. Like, you know, I don't – again, I haven't had high hopes for them this year. But, I mean, we can all see a, a scenario where – if the quarterback is ridiculously good, and I have no idea, nobody does. But like, what if he's what if he's amazing? <laughs> I mean, they have enough. Where again, as you said, 
uh, three hours on Sunday, you know, he makes a few plays, and next thing you know, you're finding yourself with a couple playoff wins. That could happen. That can happen in the NFL. I, I do think in the NBA, while the, the two superstars can get you where you want to go, and the Colts, excuse me, the Pacers, they aren't there yet, but they're on their way, we think, we hope, uh, that still is, a, at the end of the day, that seven game, that's a seven setup, it, it does tend to have the cream rise to the top. So that's that's the only thing I'd say. <clears throat> and and again, the Colts are starting uh, further down the road than the Pacers. That's that's the main reason I think the, they get the nod in this particular hypothetical scenario. Plus, you are a Trevor Lawrence torn ACL on September 15th away from saying, who the hell is winning this division? Great point. You know, I just think more so. There might not be a player that matters more to a division going upside down in the league than Lawrence, just given how we think the discrepancy is there from Jacksonville, clearly the top team in the AFC South versus three teams that potentially could be starting rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, just look at this, the state of all the teams in the in the division right now. Even though there's a lot of optimism in Houston, I get it. They had a they had a pretty strong draft at the top of their draft, and those two players are, are going to have a hell of an impact potentially. But do you think they're going to do that now? Do we do we think that's going to happen immediately? Look, the, the Colts, top to bottom, the Colts they they have one of the better rosters in the division not the best maybe i mean tennessee still got some players but but tennessee frankly at, at the top of their roster uh, their best players I, I think there's a lot of concerns you know there you have to be worried about derrick henry just his age and and obviously the wear and tear ryan Tannehill is pretty clear what they think about ryan Tannehill. they've been trying to replace him now for two years <laughs> so they don't feel good about their two of their most premier positions on that team I still, they're still good on defense, clearly. And then Jacksonville, I like Jacksonville. I like what they're doing. I love Doug Peterson, but I think it's about consistency. And, and with about, excuse me, until about halfway through last season, we weren't quite sure that team was even worthy of the postseason. So, you know, look, there's a lot still to be decided. And, and the Colts, again, they're not starting from zero. It's all, it's all going to boil down to the quarterback, ultimately. Uh, Steven's the latest, uh, very good read on ESPN.com, Inside the Colts' Pursuit of Quarterback Anthony Richardson, something Steven's been plugged into for quite a few months now. Steven, great work on that, and uh, appreciate the time this morning. All right, guys. Talk soon. That's Steven Holder. Uh, we'll be up at West 56 a little bit later today. The Colts continue their offseason program with veterans, and then tomorrow night, rookies get into town Friday and Saturday Two rookie minicamp practices with Anthony Richardson on the field. Now, let me ask you a question. Since you mentioned later today you're going to be out at the Colts Complex. Um, People have my cell phone number. I'm not going to repeat it again, but they can text me their advice on this, Kevin. Mm -hmm. I have all of my textbooks, and I've asked each professor, listen, I would be willing and happy to donate my textbooks to a student for next year that, you know, they're they not inexpensive. I mean, some of them were like 160, 200 bucks. And only one professor took me up on that, quite frankly. The rest of them were like, yeah, you know, we don't necessarily do that kind of thing. Okay. So if I was going to resell them, 
I mean, I know when I was in college, you know, like a billion years ago, you'd have like a hundred fifty dollar textbook and you'd sell it for like five dollars. So I thought that was a big part of like getting your money back in college. I know. One of the things I was going to do today is sell my textbooks. What's the best avenue for me to do that? Do I go to the university bookstore? Do I go to half price books or do I put them on eBay? You know? Um, no, I, I would say not half price books. You always go to the bookstore and see what they're going to give them, give you for them and they yeah. can say yes or no. I think the thing you probably run into is is there some like kind of student portal where you can be like, hey, anybody taking these classes next year? I've yeah. got these books. I mean, that, that would probably be the... I would gladly donate them, but I have no idea. I mean, I'm not like in... I, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. I have no idea. And that's kind of what I asked each professor like at the end of the semester i'm like hey is there a place that i can donate these for a student next semester and there was like no it was just like yeah i don't know oh okay a lot of motivation on that end <laughs> yeah um you know. yeah i just be i don't know google donating college well, here, textbooks sell like your textbook.com boom sell sell back your book.com there's literally the one top for website to sell used textbooks there you go. He'd be all. What, what do you think I'm getting? Like a nickel on the dollar? Probably. I, I, I think a little bit better than that. Textbooks. Beer are, money. I mean, they're quite, quite dollar beer night. That's a, that's a, that's how we rolled. Yeah. Hip okay. hugger money. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I prefer the seventy five dollars in ones. If I got fourteen dollars on this English textbook, that's fourteen Bud Light. One of, uh, one of my books was um, I rented one of them, and I have to return it today. But it was two hundred and sixty-five dollars. Oh, it's yeah. it's absurd how expensive that it is. is, and they're written by the professors, right? Is that how it works? I feel like the I worst was when you went to go sell it back, and like actually, we're changing the books of for course. next year. Uh, let's course. do a speedy morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. How speedy you need it to be? Uh, pretty fast. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Uh, last night in the NBA, Joel Embiid found out that he is the NBA's most valuable player, but what we don't know is whether or not he's going to play tonight against the Boston Celtics. Sixers lead that series one game love. That, by the way, is the same tally that the Lakers lead the Warriors after their 117-112 win last night, fueled by Anthony Davis's 30 points and 23 boards. But the Knicks and Heat now tied at a game apiece because New York last night 111-105 over the Miami Heat. That might have actually helped out the fans of the uh, Marlins, who I'm looking to see if they played yesterday. Yes, they did. They lost to the Braves 6-0. But the Reds didn't lose. They beat the Padres. Cubs did lose. They lost to the Nationals. Indianapolis Indians didn't lose. They were postponed in rain with Toledo. Anything else? I feel like it covers it all. <laughs> Kraken <laughs> scored a bunch of goals early last night, and they won, right? You said be quick. Uh, pop quiz on 317-239-1070. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right. Uh, quick pop quiz today. Matt Miller, ESPN Draft Analyst, is going to join us here in about 10 Minutes. Uh, Jacob, number one through eight. Seven. Jim. Wow. Mark is on it. I work quick. Uh, Jim, what's up? Hey, good morning. Jim, how are you? I'm just fine. How about you? Doing great. Uh, Have you called before? I have not. Listened to your program just about every day, but this is my first call. Welcome, Jim. Anything in particular gets you to dial us up? Oh, uh, just enjoy Indianapolis sports. 
been a long time uh, season ticket holder for the Colts, actually, since they moved here from Baltimore. Nice. Did you ever consider, Jim, was there ever a season where you thought, that's it, I'm not going to renew my tickets? Uh, There were a few, but, uh, you know, you get to a point where your ticket priority is so high that it's tough to give those tickets up. Jim, your favorite Colt not named Peyton Manning? Uh, good question. Probably uh, Joseph Adai. Happy really? birthday to Joseph Adai. Say it with me, Jim, all right? Ready? One, two, three. A-D-D-A-I. Adai, Adai, Adai. The hell was that? <laughs> oh, this is awkward. The Joseph Adai chant. Thank you. It is his birthday today. How about that? I think Welcome to Our Cemetery was a more well-known chant than that one. Nothing right? awkward about one guy. Uh, Jim, what high chant. school did you attend? Uh, Broad Ripple. Broad Ripple High School. And were you there before or after Stacy Turan's miracle shot? Uh, well before Stacy Turan's shot. Were you there with Letterman? Uh, after Letterman. Graduated in 71. Marilyn Quayle? Uh, I don't believe she was in my class. Uh, Marilyn Tucker, I believe she was at the time. Uh, okay, Jim, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or for Kevin to lead you off with question number one? Oh, let's go with Kevin. All right, let's go Rockets. Let's go Joseph Adai. Joel Embiid, your NBA most valuable player for the 2022-23 season. Who won the, the, the most NBA MVP awards in his career? Was it Kareem, Michael, LeBron, or Bill Russell? I'll say Michael. When in doubt, go with the first one. That's right. You said Kareem? <laughs> you said Kareem, Jim? Uh, I think I did. Yeah, Kareem. Okay. Okay. All right, question number two. Joel Embiid received 73 first-place votes to 15 for Nikola Jokic, who finished second. Voters choose up to five players on their ballots with players receiving 10 points for first, one point for a fifth-place vote. Of the following players... Which one received zero MVP votes in this year's balloting? Jalen Brunson, Jimmy Butler, John Morant, or LeBron James? Brunson. Okay. All right, number three. Brunson scored 30 as the Knicks evened up the playoff series of the Heat last night. Named the last Nick to score 30. He was sitting courtside last night in a playoff game at Madison Square Garden. A, a candy bar? A, Julius Randle. B, Carmelo, C, Derrick Rose, or D, Allen Houston? I'll go with Carmelo. Okay, question number four for you, Jim. The Dallas Stars' Joe Pavelski became the oldest player in NHL history to score four goals in a playoff game in last night's 5-4 loss to Seattle. He will turn, uh, turn 39 in July. Whose record did he break? Wayne Gretzky, Yaramir Yager, Maurice Richard, or Gordy Howe? Hey, Go with the Gordy name that Howe. would not be on the list unless they were part of this record. Gordy well, Howe. Well, the reason I say it is because everyone knows Wayne Gretzky, everyone knows Jeremy Yager, everyone knows Gordy Howe. Maurice Richard, I, I don't know. Scotty and Jake are going to have a yeah, fight I mean, here, fist of cuffs on hockey Jim, are games. you familiar with Maurice Richard? I, the name rings a bell. Uh, 
I, I think uh, Richard would be the, the answer. Okay. Well, I mean, Jim and Wayne Gretzky probably friends back in the Broad Ripple days. That's true. Uh, that's true. That's to, right. Did to, go to Broad Ripple. To round it out, Jim, on this day in 1910, the National Collegiate Athletic Association got its name. What was the NCAA known as before becoming the NCAA 113 years ago today? Was it A, the Collegiate Athletic Association, B, the United States College Athletic Association, C, the Intercollegiate Athletic Association of the United States, or D, the National Intercollegiate Athletic Association? Tough question. Uh, Tell me about it. I need a beer after reading those answers. <laughs> Jeez. I'll go with C. Look at that. Wow. Look at okay. that. Good nice. Work, Jim. Uh, pretty good for Jim. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, correct? That is correct. Uh, he got oh, Melo right. Oh, the end zone for us. <laughs> he got the final one right. Uh, Jake, what slipped him up? Hockey and then... Uh... Well, hockey, he ended up going with Rashar, which was correct. Yeah. Uh, this is surprising. For the first time in his NBA career, LeBron James did not receive a most valuable player. Oh, Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it, Jim. Matt Miller, ESPN Draft Analyst, to round out the show. Did you not know my Joseph Adai chant, Jake? I will say that I was as familiar with that as I was the Welcome to Our Cemetery chant, which apparently is a somewhat normal uh, softball chant, but I was unfamiliar with it. Matthew said that uh, I did the chant with you, Kevin. The Adai chant is well known. A-D-D-A-I, Adai, Adai, Adai. And when was this chanted? Certainly his rookie year. He was tremendous. Like, I mean, just like... Like at the stadium or in the press box by you or what? Section 627. Okay. After a big run by Joseph Adai. Very unique running style, Joseph Adai. He was a good player. How would you call that? Was he like a glider? Was he hopping around? I just... Now, this question I'm about to ask will both show my age and also I will accept no answer but the right answer. Okay? Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. Who was the smoothest to watch runner in Colts running back history? There is n- there is no answer but one. It is indisputable, and I will fight over this. Boy, you fighting Scotty over hockey last segment. Now you're fighting. Uh, was it Dickerson? Yes. Scotty has to agree with me, right? I mean, Eric Dickerson at full stride was literally a gazelle. He was so smooth. Yeah, I felt that way about watching Adrian Peterson. I'm not saying that I was a bratty kid, but when Eric Dickerson became a Colt, I ran into him at Castleton Square Mall in Aladdin's Castle, by the way, and walked up and said, Mr. Dickerson, can I have your autograph? And he said, it's not me. And I said, well, then you're clearly Eric Dickerson because otherwise you would say, I'm not him. And he looked at me and was like, oh, man. <laughs> he got me on that. Still didn't sign the autograph. But. That is so you right there. <laughs> well. So you. Um, all right, let's head to the Palo Suckers hotline. You've heard them all with us before here, especially leading into the draft, and was outstanding on the ESPN coverage of the draft in Kansas City, which I believe he has some ties to, if I'm not mistaken as well. He is Matt Miller. Matt, great work, man. I know this is probably the last thing you want to be doing in the week after the draft, so we appreciate that, but great, great stuff all, all month long and especially last week. No, I appreciate it. This is actually what I like to do after the draft. It's great to like hop on with you guys and, and even, you know, other cities and, and digest it. You know, I, I think we spend a year evaluating these prospects and then the draft in Saturday night and it's like, Oh, okay, well we just go back into our cave and start watching next year's play. So it's actually a lot of fun to to be able to 
take that that you know information we gained over the last year and now apply it to a scheme fit and a you know depth chart. So I uh, truly appreciate you guys having me on to do this. Well, thank you. Uh, athletes galore here in the dozen picks of Chris Ballard. Your thoughts on Anthony Richardson and the group that followed? Yeah, like I just said, this is why this is so important to come back on because we evaluate these guys in a in a vacuum. And then you get to see the scheme they land in, the depth chart, the weapons around them at quarterback. And it can change your evaluation to some degree. And I've been saying this for years. Of, I want to be able to go back after quarterbacks are drafted and say, hey, here's how things look now. That We're not evaluating them for a generic team, basically. I absolutely love Anthony Richardson to this team. I love the fit with Shane Steichen, who a lot of people say, oh, well, Shane was with, you know, the Eagles, that's true, but he was also with the Chargers and, you know, what they did with Justin Herbert, getting him on the field early and unexpectedly, if you'll remember right, you know, with, with yeah. Tyrod Taylor suffering the injury. So that I, I see it as like, gosh, this is such a good opportunity for Anthony to play right away. And a lot of, a lot of folks, and I was one of them early on in the process, and ah, he's got to sit and learn. He's got to sit and learn. I don't think so. I think you've got to get him on the field right now. Let's lock in those changes and improvements that he's made to his footwork. Let's, I think the best way to learn how to play football is to play football. So with what the Colts have, Bernard Raymond was taking steps at left tackle last year. You're going to have a healthy Quentin Nelson, a healthy Jonathan Taylor. you got some big old wide receivers out there and Pittman Jr. and Pierce. I say get him out there. Let him play. Let him learn. And and. Whether you want to call it the Josh Allen plan or the Jalen Hurts plan or the Justin Fields plan, call it whatever you want. But there's examples of dynamic athletes having success early and developing on the fly instead of sitting in a film room for a year trying to trying to learn. You know, Matt, you you, you might have kind of answered this, and feel free to say, "Hey, man, I just answered that," in uh, <laughs> a little bit of this that answer. But I have always felt that with young quarterbacks, you you have a window. You have a window to start getting them some footing, and if with and I don't know how long that window is. Maybe it's different quarterback to quarterback, but with some quarterbacks, you reach a point of no return. If it hasn't taken off, it hasn't clicked. If you haven't protected them, they just get a PTSD. You can't come back from. Yeah. Do you feel that Indianapolis does have the pieces in place to avoid that for Anthony Richardson? I do. I do because you have coaches who know how to develop quarterbacks. And so like to your point, I look at someone like Mitch Trubisky. You know, you get drafted in Chicago. There's still debate to this day on if John Fox actually wanted him or not, or if Ryan Pace just made the pick. So you, you kinda get drafted to a spot where like, man, maybe they maybe the the building was split. You don't have, you know, those those ideal quarterback developers and then you kinda get bounced around and then before you know it you're a backup. You know, you're just you can't you can't ever regain some of that time that was lost. So I look at Indy and the staff that is built there and say, yeah, they can they can develop a quarterback, and that they've kind of built this staff with that in mind. Um, but also that there are weapons to where you know, like I said, Justin Fields last year in Chicago, Justin Fields had very very little around him, so he had to go out there and play Superman at times. And we saw it with the rushing ability, not so much with the passing, which is the opposite of what he was at Ohio State. So I think with Anthony, 
not only is it Shane Steichen, it's having, you know, a Jim Bob Cooter, it's having Cameron Turner, having Reggie Wayne as a wide receivers coach, you know, just in his ability to say, hey, here's how my wide receivers can help a young quarterback. I think that's all invaluable. So, uh, and obviously, you know, Peyton's going to be around the building, uh, I would imagine, and, and be able to offer some advice to, you know, how to, how to navigate being flawless in college to a rough rookie season and the mental aspects that come with that. So I do think this is a good spot for Richardson. I can remember Sam when the year Mahomes was drafted and he went to Kansas City is when I kind of started the – I'd like to be able to, to talk about him differently now that we know where he's going because if he had been drafted by you know a team like the Browns at that point, I, I think he would have been – ultimately good but probably not the player that we see right now or not he would have won an mvp in his second year so sometimes that situation and the ecosystem that you're being dropped into as a player matters just so so much for your development matt miller's our guest he's on the payload Zickers hotline matt i'm going to read off to you just because i don't necessarily expect you or our listeners to have it right in front of them quickly i'm going to read off the colts draft class okay Anthony Richardson, obviously, we talked about that. Julius um, Julius Brents, Josh Downs, Blake Freeland. Uh, give me the name of the kid from Northwestern, oh, Kevin. Oh, boy. Ade, Tamawa Adabare. Okay. Darius Rush, Daniel Scott, Will Mallory, Evan Hole, Titus Leo, Jalen Jones, Jake Wilt. Or, or Jake Witt, excuse me. Of that list, give me the first one that when their name was called, you went, whoa, Indianapolis is starting to take some flyers here. Uh, f- uh, flyers? Ooh. If any. I mean, were there no, any that you thought, no, okay, that's a stretch? No. no, not at all. I loved Julius Brent. Loved. Uh, he, his senior bowl week, like, won me over. Uh, the one game of his I tried to watch, like, really watch during the season, he got ejected early. It was a Texas game. So, um, senior bowl week, I was like, hey, this dude can freaking play. You know, and, and he's long, he's physical, and he's going to dominate the line of scrimmage. Josh Downs, I had a second-round grade on, and he's one of the best slot receivers in this draft. Blake Freeland, I had a third-round grade on. The athleticism it tells me he can be a very good player. Uh, Adam Tamiwa, Adabare, people were saying late first after the combine when he ran a four four nine or whatever, you know, four five nine at 280 pounds. I think he's going to kick inside. That's going to help him a lot. So um, I, I didn't see any reaches at all. Um, in fact, I saw a lot of really good value. The player they drafted, Evan Hole from Northwestern, is the only player who was drafted ahead of where I had him graded. And he's a good player. He's a good athlete. Um, he's just, you know, he's a little bit undersized. I didn't particularly love his pass protection or his hands. But we're talking about a, a late fifth-round pick. He's the only one where I'm like, oh, value was a little off. Okay, Matt Miller's with us, ESPN.com, at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter. Matt, all of a sudden, the AFC looks kind of fun. You know, I, I've joked before, I feel like, uh, excuse me, the AFC South, I should say, looks kind of fun. I've joked before, the AFC South should be the true TV uh, division of all the AFC divisions. That's where it belongs. But all of a sudden, you've got, you know, three rookie quarterbacks, maybe Trevor Lawrence. When you look at Tennessee and Houston specifically, Houston with Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, Tennessee doing the Will Levis, uh, Peter Skaronsky draft duo, and then obviously what the Colts did. Of those three teams, Houston, Tennessee, and Indy, who do you like the best out of the draft? Uh, I like them all. I'll, I'll say that. I, I What Houston did was really intriguing. Um, I, I liked the first two picks a lot, obviously, right? Like you're getting two top five players. After that, like I thought they reached for Juice Scruggs. Tank Dell's like a fun little player, but little, like you can't talk about Tank Dell and not say little. They also, their wide receiver room's really deep. So I liked 
better what Tennessee did. So I will say Indy and then probably Tennessee just because the way the Titans played the board was really, really smart. Um, you mentioned against Skronsky in the first. I don't know where he's going to play yet, and that will probably shape to some degree how I view their draft. Getting Levis in round two is a really good value. No matter what you think of Will Levis, I was not his biggest fan. Um, that's still a great value. Uh, but the Titans, you know, were kind of light on picks after they made that trade up. So I think Tennessee, uh, that that's why I would knock them a little bit. For the Colts, you mentioned it. I mean, giving Chris Ballard 12 picks is is a lot. It's a lot for someone who I know he's taken his lumps. I've delivered some of them on not being able to solve the quarterback problem long term. But outside of quarterback, he's been a very good drafter. And I, I think that this is the year where we'll see if, if he got it right at quarterback. I feel strongly that he got it right at a lot of these selections you know even guys like Darius Rush and Will Mallory can be very very good players do you think Malik Willis is still in play in Tennessee is Will Levis just automatically going to be kind of given the opportunity to to take the reins eventually or is this maybe also to kind of push Willis and see what you've got I get the sense that they're done with Malik Willis. Yeah, and that was not a – I mean, Matt, that was not a long window of opportunity. That I'm not saying that, that he deserves you – know, I, I don't know. I'm not down there. But right. you know what I mean? That's That kind of goes back to – it didn't take them long to make that decision. No, and I, I – so I'm not I'm not breaking news. I'm, this is purely speculation on my part. But, you know, a lot changes once you get a player in the building. Um, and, they, you know, you – Josh Rosen's the best example of this, I think, where you draft a guy and you get him in the building and you go, oh, wait, never mind. You know, I, I remember hearing a story from someone who worked for the Chiefs, and I won't out the player, but they drafted a guy and they got him in rookie camp and they, they're all like, they're looking at each other like, oh, we messed up. You know, and it, it wasn't a first-round pick, but it was a, it was a mid-round pick. And they looked around like, yeah, we, we've messed up here. Um, and so, you know, sometimes guys look really good on tape and you see them in February at the combine, and they look pretty good. But you can get them in your building in May and go, "Well, we wasted a pick there. We burnt that pick up." And I'm not saying that Malik Willis is that way, but one year later, you're already drafting another quarterback. You're trading up to draft another quarterback. There has been no mention of Malik Willis as the heir apparent to Ryan Tannehill. So I think it's a safe assumption that, for whatever reason, whether it was play or performance, he has has been knocked down the ladder there. Matt, we'll end with this. And Matt Miller, ESPN, is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, you made some, I think what you have even considered, some bold calls on this Colts draft class in that you think Anthony Richardson, uh, if it's not B. John Robinson, uh, will be the rookie of the year here offensively. And then you feel like in a handful of years, we're talking about the Colts as a Super Bowl-type team. Uh, care to expand on the, either of those? Yeah, I mean, if things go right, and that was part of the, the exercise, was if if Richardson develops into what I think he can become, and again, we talked about how great the situation is there for him. This was a team not that long ago that was being talked about as a Super Bowl contending roster if the quarterback situation got right. So I, I still see it that way. This is a really good defense. We talked about how good the general manager is at finding players outside of round one, finding values, pulling off trades for guys like Defoe. So uh, Richardson has an unlimited ceiling. I think that's the thing to remember here. There's no cap on how good he can be. He's size-wise an elite prospect, arm strength-wise elite prospect, speed and running ability elite prospect. Everything I've been told is he is a worker, he's intelligent, and he's humble. He knows he needs to get better. So I think you put all those things together and then give him the right people around him to help make him better, the sky's the limit. And it's, you know... 
three, four years, if we're talking about, okay, like Mahomes is always going to be Mahomes, right? But if there's like, hey, it's Joe Burrow and it's Jalen Hurts and it's you know, Justin Herbert and it's Anthony Richardson, like I'm not going to be shocked if he's in that conversation. Matt, have you ever been to – Matt Miller's our guest uh, in conclusion here. Indy or Ohio, I think they have been both. Have you ever been to Matt the Miller's restaurant or bar? I, I get it text, uh, tweeted to me all the time. I've never been. Uh, I, need to, I need to make it happen. Um, but I do. People tweet me all the time. Like, look, is this yours? No, I don't. I don't own a, a tavern in Ohio. Unfortunately. I, I'd be going straight uh, discount. Well, be, next uh, time here for the combine, it's about you know twenty minutes, thirty minutes north of downtown. Right. It's a good and spot. You can hit one up. There we go. I, you would think maybe there's like a little discount, maybe like one free beer with the name. I don't know. Hell yes. I'll find that out, guys, and let you know. Needless to say, the beer would have to be draft. Oh, right. Jake. Uh, oh. That was good. That yeah. was good. Matt, Thank welcome you. to my life for three hours every morning. <laughs> Matt, okay. uh, great work, man. I uh, appreciate you hopping on with us all draft season long. Uh, hopefully enjoy some quiet time coming up. Uh, next week will be very quiet, and I'll be bored and lonely and missing you guys. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. You bet. That's Matt Miller right there. We'll take anybody that misses us. NFL draft a short list. on Twitter. High, high praise, Jake, for Anthony Richardson yeah, and the Indianapolis the draft class. Colts. I do think it's going to be very fun to watch AFC South. And I, I have, can't tell you last time I've said that. You know, because in a way, Jake, Houston, Indian, Tennessee all have their hand in the ground at the starting line together. What's going to happen, Kevin? Jacksonville's got, you know, 20-meter head start. And, you know, how quickly can the other teams kind of catch up? They are all, all of those teams that you mentioned, those three, I mean, they're going to have their rotations, right, where where it feels like they've arrived. You know, C.J. Stroud's going to have a great game, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh. And then, you know, rotate it through as each of these guys. That's, that's the thing of young quarterbacks. And so it's going to be topsy-turvy before you finally see which one finds stability the earliest. From Shams Sharnia, after winning MVP last night during a quick celebration, Joel Embiid turned to his team and said, I'm back. Indeed. Embiid is indeed on track to return tonight in Game 2. Let's go! How long can you keep him, though? That's a thing. I mean... I saw a 10-point spread last I saw in that game. Uh, that's going to that. change in a hurry. Uh, but Joel Embiid going to give it a go tonight as the 76ers look to go up 2-0 on the road in Boston. We'll recap that. Talk some more draft. Enjoy a beautiful Wednesday.